Welcome, everybody, to the Spawn Me Podcast. This is episode 111 of our show. I'm your host, Khalif Adams, and I'm joined this week and every week with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man who is Ozymandias of Spawn Me. How are you doing, Cicero Holmes? I am doing great. Uh, there will be no rhymes today. Your rap's here. Rap's for hire. Um, I'm, <laughs> I am no longer rapping for free. My rap name is Caesus. Now you got Jesus. I am Caesus. Wow. I am I am the Ozymandias of the rap game of Bricago. Talk about it. No. I don't even know. There's no words for that. There are no there are like no good words for that, Uh, I should say. Yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Doesn't matter. I could, I'm going to move on. I'm, on. <laughs> I'm the greatest. There's nothing, there's nothing else to say on that. <laughs> we have that brother from the other mother. He is the person who makes gaming looks good. We have sis. No, we don't have sis. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Botched it. We have Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm not rapping today. I don't rap anymore. I'm Caesus. I'm the Ozymandias of Bricago. Yes. I'm the greatest. Yeah, you did a you did a really good. You were like the Jay Farrow of Cicero. <laughs> it's funny that the was first great. time. Yeah, it's funny the first time. That was perfect. Yeah, that was well, absolutely wonderful. Well, uh, thanks, man. I'm looking forward to the show as usual every week. Yes. Get, get it popping. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we had a great show last week. We definitely have to thank Richard Rouse for being on and uh, hanging out with us and talking about Snoop and yes. uh, <laughs> and talking about a church church in the darkness, which is something I'm really excited about. Um, and uh, it was a really good week. Well, how was your week, C? Um, uh, you know, my week was great. Uh, again, uh, really. So I got some really, really big news today, and uh, I'm going to hold on to that for a while. But uh Hey, you know, things are great. I am busy, busy in a good way. Uh, check out my stuff on Operation Sports and uh, check out some they stuff on They've been giving us a check. You've been plugging them a lot in the last couple of shows. They've been to give us some money. Hey, hey, they're giving me some money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Word, word, li- yes. word life. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. That's about all oh. I'm getting. But, okay. uh, <laughs> 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 Reef, how, how was your week, Reef? I had a good week, man. Um, you know, been... Uh, you know, work was good um, and really just been just in hell a lot of times, but in a good way with Doom, man. So I've been oh, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've been uh, taking it back to uh, mid 90s. Uh, <laughs> only now the, the, the only difference is that like my video card is maybe 10 times as fast as my entire computer. Back in <laughs> 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 you're like i can go faster than the actual machine yeah that's true because i had i've because i remember it was my first computer that i played mm-hmm. doom on and it was like a pentium one 70 megahertz i think and oh man that maybe, was so fast maybe wow. four gigabytes of ram i think four gigs yeah or four four megs S- sorry sorry max max sorry oh i was about to sorry. say holy shit you had a supercomputer. oh no I, 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 I wasn't working for the government right I wasn't at nora <laughs> right <laughs> you know but, but holy shit but but but, but yeah man I'm, I'm just really happy about things man it's, it's just you know i I, I look forward to this show every week. So, um, and we got another great guest. So, you know, just good stuff all around, positivity all around. Word. What about uh, you, Ka? Uh, speaking of the '90s, uh, I went to a hip hop show. One of those things with a rapper's rap. Oh, you know, those things. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of the '90s, it was a head. It was headlined by Immortal Technique. Word. Preceded by a 
Chino XL. Wow. Talk about the nineties. Wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then my and then my boy uh, Poison Pen out of Brooklyn. Okay, uh, yeah, my, Poison Pen. Yeah. So it was a really good show. Wow. I haven't been to a hip hop show like that in a long time, and it's probably since I left New York. And it was really good to go back and feel like an actual hip hop show where nobody had auto tune, mm-hmm. nobody was singing. Yeah. There wasn't any of this knee slapping and, and, and sweater wearing, none of this bullshit. <laughs> and it was none of that stuff. And it was great to like be in that energy because it was really positive. And it's funny, too, because like the thing about New York shows is that people don't clap at New York shows. Right. People are not excited at New York shows. There were so many excited people at the Oregon show. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I was probably the oldest person there. Though. That's what I was about to really? ask. Did you feel old? It was me. It was myself and Sterling McGarvey. We rocked out. Shout out to Sterling McGarvey. What up? Where up? Uh, and we went to go see the show, and we literally were probably the the oldest people at wow. the show. Wow, I'm surprised by that because I've gone to a, a few of those types of shows. Uh, you know, old school rapper shows. Like I just went and saw. Um, actually, it wasn't just I saw Rakim probably mm. almost a year ago now, and there were a fair amount of people my age. Yeah, yeah. Or, or or older. I mean, you know, I mean, the problem with black folks is you really oh can't tell between between like 25 and 55. Uh-huh. Everybody looks the same as long as you take care of yourself. If you're not living hard. OK, you, I had an interesting, you, you I, I had an interesting conversation about that, actually, at my at my job where one of my coworkers had never heard the phrase black don't crack. Oh, my gosh. Well, you and, know. Th- and thought and thought it was a racist. Have racist <laughs> <conversation. Yeah. laughs> and I and I gave her a hug and I was like, I think that I think it was a compliment. Right. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I was a little worried because I thought C was going to go into some kind of Bill Cosby type, like, respectability <laughs> speech. Like, the trouble with black Negroes. folks is they don't have a piece of pound cake. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, what is happening to my show? So, I want that to be a real thing. The piece so, of pound cake. You right, say that? Yeah. Right, so. well, well, like, I kind of put together two different quotes. But. Right, right. But, oh, yeah. But, com- compound right, compound stupidity. Right, this is Compound Cosby. Um, so, so Reef just broke our guess um, with that comment, uh, but I'm going to try and bring him back and uh, I'm going to intro him to everyone uh, because this has been a long time in the making. Um, and when we have big guests on the show, it takes a long time. You know, when we had uh, uh, the guys from Media Molecule, it took a really long time. Getting David Jaffe on the show took a really long time. And uh, this gentleman that we have on the show tonight is just as big. And I'm not even being facetious. It's just as big in his arena, in in what he does as those two entities. Um, it's, It's been a year and this brother is working for one of the most relevant and and popular shows and sites in the world uh, from CBS's own Giant Bomb, the Giant Bomb Beastcast, one of the hosts of the Giant Bomb Beastcast, the news editor for Giant, Giant Bomb East. It is our friend, Mr. Austin Walker, Austin, how are you today, sir? It has been too long. It has been, I was just saying before, I was looking at this email, it has been an actual year. Year. It was June 1st, and you started, Austin, 
Sorry for the delay in the email, but I wanted to make sure not too much time passed before a correspondence. A year <laughs> later, there are 18, 19 messages in this thread. We tried. like We yes. came real close six times, five or six times. Yes. of just like yes. July, June, February, March, April, and now finally <laughs> the end of May. And it's finally here. It's finally happening. It was... It was almost like you were like the father who went out for that long pack of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then, and then and they came yeah. back and they came back was like, son. Yeah. I have returned. I, I did not want to see you just like waiting by the door the whole time with that look right. on his face. <laughs> no, because I just come back. That, that would be like if I came back in and didn't even didn't even acknowledge the time distance. So I was like, <laughs> right. good though, man. Exactly. Like, Right, smoking your cool, uh-huh. drinking, <laughs> drinking your malt liquor. Yeah, your mile round or what? Like, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, turn that channel, like right, I said, to turn right, that about right. a year ago. It's interesting. Yeah, right. It's interesting because you know there, there, there are a couple people who, when we consistently ask our our community about who they want on the show, and they they tell us. Two people specifically that they were like super hyped about, and they were like really anticipating coming on, Tennessee Coates and you. Yeah. So it's interesting. That's too. That company is too big, though. No, but I'm <laughs> it's, saying it's serious. So it's real. That's real talk. It, it's nuts because like so when I tweeted out the show that we were going to have you on, I didn't tweet your name out. I tweeted out a picture of you, and instantly it was like fifteen to twenty likes and twenty retweets or something like was, that. It was like a swipe was, right, man. That it means was like a, a lot. swipe right, right there. Yeah, that means. First a lot. of all, it's first of all, it's crazy because I didn't use your name, so the the algorithms are fucking dope. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, just his face. Yeah. He knows. <laughs> the internet knows. Yes. Internet knows. So yeah. it's super, it's super, super exciting to have you here, man. How, how have you been? How good, man. Going? Busy. Like obviously, it's been a minute since since we tried <laughs> to get this going, but but good. Like I'm in that safe zone between PAX East and E3, so it's like I'm breathing a yeah. little bit. Um, I'm getting mm-hmm. ready to go, I'm getting ready for E3, which is just like, right. it's such a big production, you know, uh, right. but good. Oh my gosh. Are y'all heading out to, to that? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll all be we'll as be a there. crew for the very first time out on oh. E3. So we're really, really excited. Um, this may be the blackest E3 ever. Um, so, uh, yeah. So LA watch out. Although, you know, it's the LAPD. They know how to deal with black folks. Oh my um, goodness. I've got armor. That's horrible. The scary thing is it could be the last E3, the way people are dropping out of it. And I don't like that right. correlation. I know. The blackest E3 right, and right, the right, last exactly. E3. That would be. Well, you know, I mean, you know what happened. So, so I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but the guy who runs E3 is a brother. And oh, I didn't you know, know that. what happens when the president is a black man in movies. All shit goes to hell like is a meteor gonna hit the earth right it may it may a meteor may just hit e3 it may just hit e3 and not even not even la live like it may phase through the actual building and just hit the inside can Uh, i just say that it would be the most beautiful thing if we all stood by the ocean side like it did in deep impact and held hands (laughs) while the the wave came and hit us all at one time (laughs) That would be a beautiful sight. No. Oh my gosh! Um, so, so uh, Austin, <laughs> back to back to E three, um, and and you know seriously, I I, I want to talk about its relevance. Yeah. Uh, to to you, um, do you think you know? There's every year, every year, kind of kind of like Call of Duty uh, reveals. <laughs> every year, there are people that say that 
this is it. This is the end of E3, and you know it's it's going away. Do you think that it really is going away? I mean, you know, I know you were kind of being hyperbolic. Yeah, I was being hyperbolic. Think it is? I think yeah. it's. In a, I think it's. This is. It's in a weird place. Like we have seen some major companies step back. We've seen major mm-hmm. companies change their strategies for reasons that aren't like necessarily that they think E3 is done. Like you think about something like Nintendo. They're just going to show Zelda this year, right? Like that's not necessarily indicative of the fact that they think that E3 is going, you know, going away or anything. But there was a time when you couldn't imagine any company, either any major company, either not showing up or only showing up with one or two things. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's. I think at the very least we're hitting a point where the ESA is going to have to think about reinventing E3, maybe as a consumer-focused thing like PAX. Maybe mm. with more indie games, like something though. It's gonna make it a change has to happen because otherwise next year two K might not show up or you know, who knows, right. you know? So I think we're at the very least at, at a precipice for some sort of change. I mean it's interesting too because it's like the you know, the grumblings from the, the both sides, right? You have the consumer side mm-hmm. and you have the press side, which E three is for, right? Yeah. It's like uh, they've just started having this kind of smaller influx of people who are not press kind of come in and be able to kind of touch things and do that kind of stuff. And then you have the press side who's consistently being like, hey, this is the show where I get most of these stories done, get that face-to-face time with all these publishers. Yeah. Have you heard a lot of stuff on the on the press side of like, hey, we kind of want to keep it this way, you know, keep the, keep the, keep the gate at this point so that I don't have to hustle through another 50 people to get to whatever thing I need to get to. Not really because the stuff where it's press is like behind closed doors or in a hotel room or in an office that's in the back of of the convention center. It's not like, like if anything, what I've heard again and again is like, I hope the floor is exciting. Like I hope there's not a whole bunch of empty space on the floor because that'll feel bad. Um, The press, it's tough because I think, I think even for me, I swing between two poles where like on one hand, I am excited about E3, about E3 because it's new stuff. And on the other hand, it's a project and it's work. And like, that's the longest week of my year of just like, right. wake up, go to appointments, you know, uh, for most, for the first few days, sit in front of a camera and, and commentate over the, the conferences. And then at night, do a night show because Giant Bomb does like late night, like E3 mm-hmm. talk show style stuff, um, which is cool. But it also means I don't get to bed most nights until two or three. And then I'm up again right. and doing it right away. Um, and so on that side, it's easy to be like, man, fuck E3. But, <laughs> but, but there is an access thing that is great. There is just like, I love going to talk to developers. Even when it's like clear that they know their spiel, like back to front. <laughs> and it's just like yep. that same thing over and over again. Sometimes you catch somebody though. And it's like, yep. you're tired. Like, I see you. Yes. <laughs> like, this is the last meeting you have all day, huh? Like, just, just yep. tell me the real stuff. Like, you sit down, yep. you and me can talk. Um, right. <laughs> but it's good. Like, so I'm, I'm hopeful that they figure it out. I don't want to see it go anywhere necessarily. Uh, I just, mm. I hope it stays relevant. Yes. So I've heard a lot of people mention this, like, reinvention of it. And, like, people have talked about, like, the things that you mentioned, like, maybe adding a public day, you yeah. know, or like, or, like, making it like Gamescom or, like, TGS. Um, so what I know of E3, though, is that it's primarily a trade show, right? So it's, like, ma- it's like manufacture. I mean, the yeah. traditional, the uh, traditional E3, I guess, was we want to sell this stuff to stores, and right. here's all our stuff. Here's how you plan your inventory. Obviously, now with digital 
distribution, that's a little different. Do you think that sort of as customers get more comfortable with buying games online, hopefully mm-hmm. in the next couple of years there's some where you can trade and and like all that stuff. Do you think that is what will make E three lose that like relevance because be, be, because publishers won't worry about retail like physical well, copies as much? So the first thing to to always remember is that there is the GameSpot. Sorry, game, I do whatever. I work for CBS and I still do it. There's the GameStop. There's the, we all do it too. Like behind closed doors, yeah, yeah. we all slip up. Uh, uh, there's the GameStop manager show, which happens in Vegas right. later in the summer. Right. And so like retail connection is still there. It's still completely there. It's just it, GameStop is big enough to not have to go to E3. Um, so that's probably not going anywhere. The thing that is... I, I think that you're right to some degree that as digital becomes a bigger thing, E3 becomes less relevant, not only because the the companies don't have to sell to, to retail anymore, but because they're, they're getting better at selling directly to consumers without involving press at all, right? Um, mm, things right. like the Nintendo Directs are incredibly successful, or even the Nintendo Treehouse streams from the last few E3s, where they'll do a Nintendo Direct, and do like the rundown of all their new stuff. And then all week they have video co- uh, covers and content featuring producers and developers and interviews and behind the scenes stuff. And that stuff like from a production level is good. And if you, like, there have been many times when I've been like, mm. oh man, I want to see what's up with this new Fire Emblem. I'll tune into this thing and just watch yeah. it instead of going to the booth. Even though I'm there, where like I could go and play this game or talk to somebody, right. but their coverage is right. good enough for what E3 coverage is going to be, right? Like I, I think I take a lot of pride mm. in being critical and being investigative and all that stuff. But at E3, right. you're not going to get any answers for any hard hitting questions. And so, in general, right. what those right. conversations end up being is, what is this game? Why should I care about it? And like I said, they know their spiel real well. It's it's very easy to to convince yourself i've done this to myself like i don't need to go let me just watch their thing so i think that's part of it and the other Mm -hmm. big thing though the one other thing i want to say before we move on is while you're right that it used to be this trade show and like press focused retail focused and 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 it probably won't go all the way to consumer focus that line Mm -hmm. is getting increasingly blurry as prosumer Mm -hmm. level stuff happens right? right like who doesn't have a Twitch channel in 2016 right. who is into video games? Like, if you have a, a modern console, if you have a PS4 or an Xbox One, you have a Twitch channel. Like, right, you right. totally do. If you have games on Steam, you can stream on Steam. You don't have to go to Twitch. Um, right. And so there is this... And those people get in now, too. And those people don't only just get into E3, right? Like, who is at the Battlefield 1 debut? Influencers. Right. Who got right. copies early right. of Doom? YouTubers. Like... Right. Nobody yep. else. Jack Frags on YouTube got Doom, right? <laughs> That's yep. and so and so if you're a publisher, E3 is still a cool place for you as a publisher to bring those influencers who will feel real cool because they're at E3 finally. Um and so it's right. still I think it still has that value to them where like it's lost its shine for us in terms of it being a big industry event uh it doesn't it's not like a special thing to get invited to e3 it's your job and you have to work all these hours and you have appointments and you're rushing all over the place and you're like you're seeing your friends like real quick you know like oh hey it's Mo. <laughs> right, Let me see right, Mo real right. quick all right peace yeah. peace Mo. like that's and that's it right um mm-hmm. whereas right. like if you're an influencer and it's your first time in la 
and like maybe someone put you up in a hotel or maybe you scraped all your money together but like this is it like you feel like this is it i'm gonna go see the new assassin's creed no one else is gonna see it uh or like mm-hmm. everybody else is gonna see it but i'm gonna be there when they debut the new assassin's right, creed right 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 um and so i think like that's still gonna be part of that relevance is still gonna be that those youtube audiences man I, yeah because i'm hearing like even in the conversations when i went last year and i've been kind of doing the circuit uh for the for the past year and that conversation is something that you hear over and over and over again where it's like the 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 kind of high the kind of top tier uh folks such as yourself and then like ign and and and, and GameSpot and all those and all those folks are still even hearing the kind of conversations trickle down of like, man, these folks are not necessarily catching up to us, but they are still, they're getting a lot of stuff yeah. in between that space that we used to just be able to get instantly uh, and, and kind of fighting through it now. How, what's the what's the conversations been like on that side of things for, for you guys internally and stuff? I think it's what you just said, basically. Like, we're in a weird place, right? Because we are, Giant Bomb is like a little bit insulated from it. Because right. we don't just run on ads, we have subscription model, we have premium content, like, mm. and so that that means that some of the the influx of that YouTube audience hasn't hit us in a negative way the way it might have hit certain other sites. Um, the, the model we were anticipating the model, not we. I wasn't mm. here, right? Like Jeff, <laughs> they were anticipating the model. For, you walked in day one and was like, "Hey guys, hey, yeah, I got some ideas. <laughs> Listen, thanks for bringing your brother in. Let me." Nah, I came in last year. The, the house was built. I I, put, I brought a bed in. You know, and I'm gonna sleep here. I'll wash the dishes. I guess. Like, what are the how are the house chores? Let's just do it. Like, let's split it up. Um, so, so. I, but the, but the, the conversation, we, you know, we've, we've had this conversation now and then on the Beastcast where I think it, it swings a lot internally, not just for us, but in the press thing of like some people say that it's scary for them because they feel like they're going to get replaced. And other people mm. say that it's exciting because there's all these new voices and other people say, well, of course, but the, those voices are more easily corruptible because there's no like split between ad sales and no one's doing the relation, making sure that those relationships aren't corrupted. And mm-hmm. so, so I think it's, it's so much is up in the air right now. I know that I wouldn't have the job I have without having been a Twitch streamer first, right? I did some stuff right. with stream friends, which was a big group of people with like kind of headed by Phil Kohler from Polygon. Mm-hmm. And it was me and 13 other people. And right, right, without right. that experience, I wouldn't be comfortable on camera. I wouldn't be comfortable live streaming games. And so it's one of those things where like, even though I've even been critical of Twitch, I still recognize what it did to help get me to where I am. So right. I can't quite just like, I can't just shit on Twitch and YouTube. Like that culture <laughs> is part of how I got salary, you know, right, like right, that's right, right. an important step. So no one's just going to hire me. No, Giant Bomb wasn't going to hire me for just for being a good writer. You know, like right, that's right, right. not in 2016. Uh, so so it's it's one of those things where I have to be at least a little bit ambivalent about the whole situation. Where like mm. good and bad, like in the end, this might kill us all. But like for now, good <laughs> and bad. <laughs> Word. Yeah. Word on that. So you make so, rent, right? right People right. trying to make rent. Like that's, exactly. And the rent is too damn high. So yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So um you, you know you, you talked about stream stream friends and and I think it is a perfect segue into talking about Austin Walker. If if people are residents of Chicago and all they listen to is the greatest video games podcast in the history of the world, 
the Spawn on Me podcast, maybe they don't know who Austin Walker is. Um, so you're from you're from Eastern Pennsylvania, and you lived in mm. you lived in Jersey. Born in born in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, which oh, is like yes. you know what Scranton is. You know, okay, if you yes. know what Wilkesbury is, that's all right. But yes. like, oh, yeah, most yeah, people yeah. like. Here's what I do. Like, you see the office? Like, I'm right. in the town that's like the smaller sister town <laughs> right, right, to that town. Right. Um, and then Word. I grew up in South Jersey outside of Atlantic City. Oh, okay. Um, uh, grew up there. Now, what I, you say, I, I have a very important question. Did you fish in South Jersey? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Wait a second. Did, what's up? Wait, why? Damn it. Because, so last week we were talking about, so, so Kai and I are both from New York. Um, Kai's right. from the North Bronx. I'm from the South Bronx, mm-hmm. uh, and Reef is from Jersey, uh, you, from Patterson. From okay, and he never fished, but Ka and I, the city kids, both fished. That's okay. Where'd and you he, go to go fishing in the city? Well, did you like leave? You went upstate, or what'd you do? No, I, w- I went to the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, I saw. I, saw, I mean, it's, <laughs> like, it's it is literally right there, guys. Yeah, like, it has um, fish in it. Yes, and fishing it really is good. Right. And fishing is a good activity. It like, is on the it? scheme of activities. Right. Fishing is just like I'm gonna be with some people I like outside right. when the weather is good. Yeah, right. and if I'm old enough, I'm gonna be drinking, and like exactly. that's an all right day. Uh, yes, 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 yes. There it yes. is. There was, it is. Reef, I promise this summer you and I will go. Damn it, you did. Yeah, I feel, I, feel, so, I, feel like, I feel like we need to have the rights of passions with, with, with Reef and Fisher. Yeah, like we need to like get him, get him a little fisherman it's, hat and then right. take him out. I'll do it like my grandmama did and I'll cook some chicken right in the morning. And then, and then there you go. go. All, I'm saying, go. all I'm saying is don't, all don't right. fish in North Jersey. That's all I'm saying. Right, well, don't, yeah. Yeah, see, so all right. It. So I'm from South Jersey, right? Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah, South Jersey water is clean. That's basically Delaware water. That's okay. You know, you know, we almost gave a shout out to the Delaware Water Gap right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> Delaware Water Gap represent word life. Um, uh, so, so, so the, South so, Jersey. Yes, yeah, South Jersey. South so Jersey. The real, went, the real question about you and South Jersey is, have you ever heard of a place called South Amboy? Yeah. Oh, really? That place doesn't fucking exist. That's from another it's show. Like, Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's Listen, from another show. There's I the Amboys. South- yeah. There's the Bergens. Like it's yeah. one of the one of the things that exists in Jersey. Is it's like oh that's a town name. There's six towns named that with just a <laughs> right, modifier right, attached. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you some, from Bergen? with Bergen? Right. North Bergen? South Bergen? Bergen County? Some adjective. Perth Amboy. Right, right. North yes. Amboy. South Amboy. <laughs> Cumberland Amboy. Like it's. Um, it's a lot. Oh my god. So yes. All right. So you you you're, so you're South from, Jersey. That was like. Yeah. Where I lived from, from like when I remember living right. through like high school, nice. And then I did undergrad out on the island, out out on Long Island. At you Hostra. were a flying Dutchman, actually. You were a, because of what you weren't no. a flying Dutchman. You were the pride because they I changed the, the pride. name. That's right. Yes, because they had flying lions all over the place. Flying Dutchman was too gay. So they went with so they went pride. pride. They went with pride. Oh <laughs> yeah, I went to Hofstra so for four years. Did right that. Um, that was all right. Like I, I look back at that time. I think a lot of people probably do this with college. It's just like, man, I wasted all that time around all those people who were real smart and who could have helped me. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I, had I did all too. right. Um, I, I, I got a degree in philosophy. Uh, which didn't do much. I mean, that's not true. I wouldn't be here without that degree, obviously. Like that put me on a path in a long-term situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I uh, and right after that, right after graduating, I was supposed to go to grad school here in New York. I was supposed to go to City University okay. for philosophy grad for like an MA. And here's what happened: is 
a week before I was supposed to start, not two weeks before I was supposed to start. I was living in North Bergen <laughs> and an email chain went around from my incoming class that was like, hey, everybody, just like introduce yourselves, talk about what you did this summer. Mm. And I was reading these emails and the emails were like, oh, well, I went to the Himalayas to like, you know, was like get inside my own head. Like, oh, I went down to, I went to, you know, I went to Nigeria to do some missionary work. Like, oh, I went down to Brazil to, to study oh, some anthropological man. stuff. Like, oh, I lived, I, you know, I'm from the city. I'm from the village, this other person says. You know, like, I, so I just did some work here also. And I was like, I went fishing I am like 21. <laughs> yeah, I went down to Jersey and fit. I worked in my dad's like army navy store this summer is what I did. <laughs> like, I scraped together enough money. I played Bioshock, I guess that's what I did. <laughs> when I played, Bioshock was out. That was pretty good. Um, you and explored so I, I was like, underwater civilizations, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, listen, I engaged in, in deep discourse about <laughs> about <laughs> objectivism. Uh, no, I dropped out like immediately. I was like, I can't. I thought I was ready for this. I am already intimidated by who mm. these people are. Right, In retrospect, right. I know that they were putting on airs. Like, I'm sure they did that shit, but like they were, they were also probably very nervous. And very much like, I need to prove myself. Like, yeah. Um, so I dropped out of that. I lived in New York for a few years. Uh, I worked a bunch of different jobs. And I started writing about games back then. I actually started writing about games via the first thing I wrote that was like a thing I was proud of writing about games was a defense of Call of Duty 4. It was like oh, a wow. super, <laughs> super, super long email. I sent this dude from the Miami Herald who had written this uh, column about how his son was playing Call of Duty and it was bad. And so I, like, and I, was, I wrote him this email that was like, actually, if you look at the way the, <laughs> the awesome. death from above level, it's showing you the desensitization of war. And like, okay, 20-year-old <laughs> Austin. Uh, but that got me, that gave me the bug. That gave me the, like, I want to write about games in a serious way bug. Right. That dude ended up, like, publishing my letter in his column, which was really nice. awesome. Oh, um, that's dope. Right. Like, again, for, like, 21-year-old kid, it felt like, oh, this is a thing I can do. Um, and so I started writing about games. I was an editor at a site called One Last Continue a decade ago, basically, um, that was tiny and that fell apart the second, like, everyone was like, this thing that happens with small sites, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah, Phil got a job and Sean is having a kid and, like, I'm going <laughs> to go back to school now. The economy is falling apart. I can't afford to stay in Brooklyn anymore. Moved back down to my parents' place uh, and then went back to grad school. Like, in 2010, I went to, to CalArts uh, finally did the grad school thing, started mm -hmm. writing about games again. And then over the last like few years, I went up to, I lived in Canada for four years and was doing my PhD work up there. And that's when I started doing freelance writing for like a traditional mass audience. So I was writing at places like Paste and GameSpot. Uh, I had some stuff in, in Kotaku. I had some stuff just kind of all over the place. Um, and then from there, I was doing live streaming, was doing podcasting, was doing like everything I could touch, right? Like that's the, I like decided it is time to grind I need to figure out what mm -hmm. I'm doing because I'm probably not going to get a teacher job if I finish my PhD. Like I'm almost mm. certainly not getting one right. um, because <laughs> the, the competition is fierce. Uh, so started doing the freelance thing and then it came together. So that's Dope. the, that's the life, right? Like I think that's like the long and short of the, of how I got here. The freelance <laughs> stuff was good. The freelance stuff was like, was me figuring out who, how can I write about games in a way that isn't done very often Mm -hmm. um, and is the world not like is the world ready for me? But like, <laughs> is the world is the is the culture in a place where I can ask the questions I want to ask about video games? And there are enough people who also want to ask those questions because like when I write about this stuff, my the supposition I make when I write something um, isn't I isn't 
oh, I have this vision that I'm bringing down from the heavens to people. Like, who cares? Um, the thing that I think is everybody, a lot of people have a lot of these ideas like rolling around in them already. And I'm trying to find the words to help give them the words to put what they mm. think out, right? Like that's the, you, you talk about Tiny He's a Coats, like that's the dude who did that for me when I was 21. Was like, oh, like I didn't have these words now I get them. Now I have that lexicon right. and those set yeah. of ideas to start putting, making sense of the things I like. So that's like, he's a, a, a real role model for me. Yeah. Okay. Same, same, same here. Mm-hmm. Great. So, so, um, so yeah, I, I, I love that kind of Miami's story about the uh, call of duty stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So from that point on, like, I think, you know, most people kind of start writing because because they've already been reading about games and like all that stuff for like a while. Um, So do you see sort of a difference in sort of the discourse in gaming sort of back when you first started and now? And do you think that that kind of depends on sort of, you know, your, I guess, more formal academic background than maybe a lot of other game journalists tend to have? Uh, yeah, I think there's a difference. I think the stuff that I like now has its roots and stuff back then. I think about stuff, some of the most influential stuff for me was stuff that came out of like CGW magazine, yeah. Games for Windows magazine, right. Games for Windows radio, mm-hmm. the Jeff Greens, the yeah. Sean Elliott's, the Robert Ashley's who right. were asking me a lot of the same sorts of questions I like to ask about the design of games, like, like not even the culture stuff, but just understanding games as artifacts and like works like architecture like as design decisions and stuff like that they were having those sorts of conversations that i like to have and and like even going back to i remember reading an old computer gaming uh computer gaming world magazine where jeff green had his column in the back and like he was just like talking about having a daughter and like playing games and like like what is this like how is this you know just tell me if the game is good that's what you're supposed to do that's what i don't understand and so i think about moments like that and seeing the seed like those sold the seeds for the kind of longer form introspective stuff that i really love that's happening more and more right now um i do think that the scene has changed though because i think that there has been more of a place for that now than there used to be more uh thankfully you know room for voices like like ours like more mm-hmm. black voices in general, finally, right, uh, right. still not enough salaried black voices because right. it's like, <laughs> it's like who is it? It's me, it's it's Mo Williams at US mm-hmm. Gamer. Yep. It's not Evan anymore. Evan bounced from Kotaku. Evan's right, at right. IO9 now. IO9, right. Yeah. Uh, and then John, like some Jonathan contract Holmes, deals, maybe. Yes. Is, yes. You know? But that's like there's not much and. And probably more that we don't know about around the world, right? Like, I'm sure. sure there's some European brothers that we don't know. Right, 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 right. Right, right in French and German, but right. like two of them probably. Right. Um, <laughs> and that's a meaningful difference. There are more people who didn't come up the same way. Like, on the, on the Beastcast this week, Alex says, Alex Navarro at, at Giant Bomb says that he thinks he is like the last of the era of people who fell into games writing and games journalism. Mm. That like he got into games journalism because he knew some people who was doing games journalism, right? Like he knew Jeff and Jeff was like, yo, let's like, we got some spots. Let's <laughs> like, come really write reviews. Yeah. Um, and now the competition is like the fiercest it has ever been. Sure. I do. Uh, so I'm uh, one of the things I do at Giant Bomb is is I'm the editor of all the freelance stuff that we run, which we just started running in the last year. I built this freelance program from the bottom up. It's been great stuff too. I appreciate it. Like it has been hard work, and it it started with me saying, "Hey, pitch me," and it would have been so easy. I've seen people say that this is what I did, and that's what like it, it 
I get upset <laughs> about it. But people say, like, oh, Austin just picked his friends to like write for Giant Bomb. You have no idea how many of my friends I rejected, right? Like, yeah, or yeah, my yeah. friends meaning like people I know on Twitter, right? Like not people I like get beers with, not people who I like know, people I know on Twitter. Um, 220 people submitted stuff and some of them were like the same boilerplate bad stuff or not bad just like stuff i would have pitched when i was 19 because lots of 19 year olds pitched and it was lots of like earthbound is really good and like yeah earthbound is really good like I, but i read that 30 times yesterday like everybody right. talks about earthbound or mother two or whatever right um or like journey is really good like yeah I, yes it's journey but like give me something but that was like 25 30 percent the right. rest wow. were people who had good clippings from places that I thought were important and, and like good curators of good content. Right. Their writing was solid. They had good references. They had solid pitches. Um, sometimes you get like the same pitch from four different people. And for me, that's like, can't do it. Like I can't run that story. That idea is clearly too in the air right now. Right. Like, that's not mm. dynamic enough. Cause like you and three other people, even though it's a good pitch, like I don't want to run the thing that three other people also pitched me. Um, but the, the, my takeaway here was it's amazing. And this goes back to the influencer thing. We're in a generation where the culture has moved in a way that has opened up a space for new voices who are not just like the same dudes and they're getting good at it. But right. also it has not made more jobs for these people. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Because what they're told is get a YouTube channel, start a blog, right. start a podcast, do it yourself, take out a loan. Um, and all that is, again, I wouldn't have gotten here without that stuff. And I did all that stuff, but I also see the struggle and like, it is, the struggle is real. Like for those 200 people, we had to whittle that down to, to eight or nine or 10. And that's not cause the other ones were bad. Like it's cause mm -hmm. they were also good, but not, they didn't have whatever the thing was, you know? Right. Right, um, right. And so that for me was like, that's the way it's changed now is, is a decade ago. I could have never pitched anywhere and gotten anything with the stuff that I was writing. Now I can, but also the competition is just fierce. Yeah. I know Sharif is on that grind too, so. Grind. Yeah. Yeah. Reef, <laughs> Reef is, so, you know, Reef, Reef was doing, Reef has been doing a lot of it, you know, uh, before he, before he joined us here at, uh, at Spawn on Me, he, you know, he came up with Gaming Looks Good. Mm -hmm. um, he, he was writing and, you know, got a really great piece in Off World. Yeah. Uh, and and you Rest know, in peace to Off World. Also, for real, like yeah. Off World did good stuff. Yes. So. Oh yeah. yeah they did oh yeah. Stuff. Yes. And you know, it's a, it's a shame that they're gone. Uh, hopefully, those of you that are listening went ahead and and uh, purchased, secured your copy of the Off World table uh, mm -hmm. coffee table book uh, that should be out this August. Uh, shout out to to uh, everybody over at Off World. Uh, rest in peace. Um, but, uh, back to Austin, first off, uh, two, two things really. Um, and th these are like complete non sequiturs. Um, right. so the, the first is you, you talked about diverse voices and, yeah. um, you know, for us, we're 111 episodes in, we get to talk to each other all the time. Right. And, and, you know, the reason that Kai and I started the show is because we didn't hear us talking to each other all the time mm -hmm. or any of the times. Mm -hmm. um, how isolating was it for you to not have, 
because I'm assuming that the times that you have blackness around you and and talking about games and and in right. any type of real way in a recorded session um is few and far between um how isolating was it for you to have those conversations and then the the non sequitur part is uh how did you did you feel like you you made it like you hit the big time when you when you made it to giant bomb so the first answer is those conversations are the best when I have them, when I finally get to have, when I sit down with Gita mm. Jackson or with Quinn Murphy, who I just realized yeah. uh, we also yeah. ran, ran a survey Quinn Murphy a little while ago. Yeah, what like up, Having Quinn? those conversations. Yeah, Quinn is good people. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's good. He's dope. Quinn, Quinn, get at me again. I'm waiting on pitches. Uh, <laughs> uh, those moments are, they are the thing that they are, right? Which is right. just like, all right, so here's a story that has nothing to do with podcasts, but this is it. Right. I lived in Canada for four years. I lived in London, Ontario. I've described that place before as being equidistant between Detroit and Toronto and not only geographically. Um, <laughs> uh, it is a poor town. Uh, it used to be an industrial city in, in Ontario. Mm-hmm. It has since become uh, a university town in that like, the only thing that really the, the blood of that city is the university. Uh, it is it is a largely white town. It is a place that I was called nigger more in four years than I was called in New York and New Jersey in 25 years wow. before. Wow. Mm. Um, like egg thrown on me one night. Right. Wow. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. It was like that. So like not a positive place. And it weighed on me in a way that I didn't know it was weighing on me. Right. And I moved back here. I got that job. A year before I got that job, I was just walking around New York, and I kind of resigned myself to, like, oh, it was nice when I lived in New York, right? Like, mm-hmm. I missed that, but hey, you know what? Like, I'm in, the, I'm in school now. I'm going to get my doctorate. I'm going to go get a job somewhere. I'll go teach. It was nice to have lived here. Like, I've, I've come to terms with I'll never live in New York again. Um, <laughs> yep. A year later, I have this job. I move to Queens. I'm just walking around. I mean, I, I live in Astoria, Queens, which is like the most diverse mix of a neighborhood in, yeah. in New York, which is just yes. like Mediterranean, you know, Middle Eastern, uh, black, white, Hispanic, like right. everybody lives everybody here. Everybody lives in Astoria. And yeah. I realized I like the weight was gone. I'm just like, mm. oh, like no one here thinks I don't deserve to be here. Or if they do, they are so far of an outlier, and it's probably not because I'm black. It's probably because, you know, like, I, I'm wearing an Eagles jersey or something, right? Like it's not because <laughs> my skin color. And that relief still happens when I'm in conversations like this, where it's like, oh, right, like, I am with people who have no presumptions about what people like me are. Right. Um, or have right. limited or, or they might you might still have some presumptions because people have presumptions about people generally but there is a homeliness to it there is like a all right like guard is down a little bit right. um i can be familiar in a way that is fun to be right mm-hmm. uh because that was the other thing it was like it was a lot of the other thing about living in canada for those years was you live in canada as a grad student you don't have a lot of money so it's not like you're making a lot of trips back and so the right. trip back to see my black family was lots of my grandfather is sick and like, Oh, okay. Like that's not, that's not like come home and have a fun time trip. That's like come home and like, 
have a, a, a preacher talk about how he was a very religious man before he died, you know? Mm-hmm, and like, right. mm-hmm. yeah, but he was also, he also wasn't, <laughs> you know, like right, he was, but right. also, right, 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 right. But also yes. my black grandfather used to just put on an Italian accent all the time and thought he was the godfather. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, so like, so and that didn't come, let me tell you, that didn't come up during services. Right, uh, right, right, so right, right. being back is, is similar to being able to be on a podcast like this or to talk to Gita or to talk to, you know, Evan when I see Evan, to talk right. to, to Quinn when I talk to Quinn. It's like, okay, like the weight is off the shoulders to some degree, not only because like I feel comfortable like, oh, I, it's not like I don't feel comfortable around white people. Like, no, right. like, I love Vinny. I love Alex. I went to school in Canada for four years. I was around white people <laughs> right. my whole life. My mom is a white person, right? Like, right, right. I love white. I, I don't, listen, don't get it twisted. I love some white people. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but. But. Title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but. There is this other thing of, of there is a weight of representation um right. let me get let me get real awesome on it real quick there are these french dudes named uh deleuze and guattari they are philosophers who are yes. like you know they're a big deal in that world and they have this notion of a thing called being minor or becoming minor which means one of the things they talk about there is that like when you are in a minority position and they're like writing about kafka who is who who was a uh, a German Jew writing in Prague. And it was a Czech Jew writing in Germany, maybe. One of the two, German Jew or a Czech Jew. Uh, and so he had to like represent Jewishness and his nationality, even though he just wanted to write some stories about some shit, right? Like he just wanted mm-hmm. to write his stories about existentialism, about you know, anxiety, about alienation. Mm-hmm. But everybody who read those stories, like, this is about being Jewish. And like, right. <laughs> like not because he was writing about being, not because he had nothing, nothing against Judaism, right? He did also think about Yiddishness and Yiddish culture and all that. And the same thing is true for being black in America, for being trans in America, for being Hispanic in America. If you write some shit, it's about that shit. Like whether you want yep. it to be that or not, someone is going to read that into it. And so if you're aware of that, it becomes a sort of like, all right, how do I represent my people? Even if all I want to do is talk about dark souls right now, no matter right. what, there is some degree right. of, of pressure of do what, can I put on the good show? Can I raise us all up somehow? Right. Um, oh and it's a good responsibility to some degree. Cause like you want to do well by it, but also sure. it's just a pressure. Like there is no just, whereas here I'm not like, if I fuck up here, it's not black folks fucking up, right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. fucking up. Like, let me just fuck up, right? Um, and that to me is is a relief. Yeah. So that to me was like the, the the that's my answer to the first question. Right. Um, <laughs> the second question was like, did I make it when I made it a giant bomb? I made it. I didn't make it nowhere. Like we're still making it. Like that's right. one. Mm. I make it every time I make my rent check. Like, <laughs> one up and down. <laughs> up and down. I make it every time I make my rent check. Two, like, I, I felt accomplished and good and happy and all that stuff. Like, there is no other way of saying, like, it was, you know, I'm an old Giant Bomb fan uh, and an old Giant Bomb critic, right? Like, I definitely was in the choir of saying that that site needed more diverse voices and mm-hmm. that... It, it would have been good to see someone who looked like me up there or who looked like someone else. Um, right. And 
I was I was a critic when you know Giant Bomb didn't come out against Gamergate very quickly. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I you know so, but I so so in that way it felt extra good of being like I get to be at this place and I knew that I got to. I was going to build this freelancer program where I could bring voices that weren't even like mine on that site that were trans voices and more women. And, you know, like that to me was part of why it felt so good. Um, but it's a job, right? Like, so I, I get a lot of emails from people being like, how do I write for giant bomb or how do I get into games journalism? My life isn't great right now. I want it to be great. And so I want to become a games journalist. And like, no, it is a job. <laughs> right, right, it is right. a job. Yes. Even if all you do, even if the only thing y'all did this, like in games at all was this podcast. Right. Week six, seven, it's like, all right, I got to prep for this podcast, I guess. Right. Like, I got to get my mm-hmm. notes together. Yeah. I guess I have to have a meeting about budgets because like someone's right. microphone isn't that good. You know, like that's the sort of like, <laughs> that's the thing that ends up happening is like, you know, we go in to record the Beastcast every week and every week. Every week, the podcast studio is jacked up. <laughs> Someone has messed with the compressor. Someone has changed all the audio settings on the computer. The file is broken every uh-huh. week. And like, mm-hmm. man, just it's it just it's a job. No matter what, it's a job. It's a job with with meetings. It's a job with expectations. It's a job that you do some days and you go and you're like, I didn't do it. Like this didn't do it today. Like we mm-hmm. recorded the thing. It was bad. And, and you know, it's bad because you do it all day and you know, when you turned in bad work. Um, and I, I, so, so in some ways it's important for me not to paint the picture of, yeah, I, I made it like, but I also do recognize what I got, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I know I got it, you know, like that's, again, salary positions are few and far between regardless Mm -hmm. of what race you are um, in this industry. So, so I definitely know what I got. I just also want to keep hustling. Yeah. 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 It was interesting because I, I remember that it, it, this is going to sound real like when Mar- when when MLK got on stage for the first time. But it was like, I remember the buzz. <laughs> I remember the buzz that happened. Shut up. I remember the buzz that happened when like black Twitter yep. and like blaming a uh, black uh, black uh, gaming conversation got the news that you had gotten at the giant mm-hmm. Bob gig. Right. And it was yeah. kind of like when Obama got elected. Shut <laughs> up. Wow. No, 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 no. Wait, no, wait, no, wait. No, no, no listen. Real. All right, all right, all right. Wait, hold on, hold on. I'm not there yet. Damn. Okay, y'all, okay, okay, you, okay. Y'all are more hyperbolic than I am. Right <laughs> okay, and, and, get there. And this, and this is what I mean. This is what I mean. Is when you, especially because you were going to Giant Bomb, we heard, and we knew all those things going into you getting that position of like all the conversations about the Gamergate stuff, all the stuff about the, the lack yeah. of diversity. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's been interesting having been a person who's followed them for a long, long time. Have they been kind of gun shy about talking about the things that you like to talk about, right? And right. some of the pieces that you talk right. about. So there was this kind of like, and you know how that conversation goes when you have people that you are doing the stuff in the same industry. And you're like, mm-hmm. yo, I'm a little bit scared for him that the community may not take to him in the way that we have taken to him and that we appreciate his work and that we appreciate what he, he brings to the table in that way. Um, I, I guess the, the question I have for you is, do you feel like now that you've been there for, for a year that, that the community has, has kind of, the giant bomb community has, has kind of taken that up in some way that they didn't necessarily do before? And do you feel right. like, do you feel like there's been, that you've been able to, to kind of, champion some of that change by, by coming yeah, into this Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, so one, shout out to Patrick Klepek, who had it worse than me, 
right? Yeah, right. Who, who I, you know, is a white dude. He knows he's a white dude. No surprises. Uh, but like, was the first person at that in that at Giant Bomb to be like, I want to talk about race. I want to talk about gender. I want to talk about identity. I want to talk about mm. politics. Now and then, not all the time. Just now and then, he's the right. dude who said, you know. Really? We're talking about how good Metal Gear Solid Ground Zero's story is when that shit ends with, like, a dude with <laughs> vagina bombs? Like, right, right, for real. Right, right. And, like, he was able to say that and got heat for it and got heat all the time for everything he did, got heat mm-hmm. for him speaking out about Gamergate. And so in a real way, like, he set up a, a, a foundation for me by getting those dudes off the site, right? Like, because eventually yeah. they were like, man, Giant Bomb is ruined. So that's one. Two, I, I want to thank you know, Jeff and Vinny and Alex and everybody else in a hiring position because they recognized that the voice that I have and the interests I have were not on the site and understood that even if that's not what they wanted to make, right? Even if mm. Jeff's, Jeff's reviews are never going to look like my reviews, he understands right. that, that there is a space for those reviews in the same way that, like, that, that the sort of reviews he was doing were new at the time. Like, he understands that, like, the sort of writing I do is new and fresh and wants that, wants my voice to be on the site. And, like, that to me meant a lot. Like, that's, that still means a lot that each of us can turn in a different style of review that, that, or a different style of feature writing, a different, you know, to have a different take on the podcast. And the idea isn't that it's the voice of Giant Bomb and you have to adhere to the Giant Bomb, like, code book. It's, this voice is important because it's important and, and we don't all disagree. We often disagree, but that having that mix is valuable to some degree. Um, and so, and so that's, that's kind of the, the big thing there. Um, I will also say that, yeah, I think over time the audience has warmed up to me. There was definitely some pushback at PAX prime. I had a dude come up, shake my hand, look me in the eye and say, I like giant bomb better before you were here. Wow. wow, that's bullshit. At, let me, we were at that. Uh, we were at a comedy club. We had rented out oh, to do shit. an Wait, open bar there. event. Yes, that's that was I while you were there. We met. Yes, there. I hugged you. Oh my! That God. dude he came that up that to event. me. Yes, I like came off the stage. I was shaking hands. I got a drink. It was very nice. There were lots of games. We had to you know, deal with indie mega boots, so there were cool games all over the place. Mm-hmm. Dude comes up to me shakes my hand and is like nah and so and I, I was just like all right man have a good night like I, I think actually what i literally said was we're all we are all improving every day uh wow, or something well like done. that um and just walked away and just like all right like i knew that was there because i knew my early response to things like talking about the witcher talking about race mm. uh talking about at that point i think i'd already written my galaxy review maybe which had gotten into like some nostalgia criticism stuff um and people had heard me on the bot or on the beast cast being political quote unquote um and so i knew there was pushback that was the reason that it was rough contrast that to pax east just a couple of weeks ago where i had lots of people who came up to me and said for years i'd written off giant bomb because because it felt like they were going out of their way to avoid these topics or who said, you know, Austin, at first I didn't know about you, but you've really grown on me. Which, again, is a hell of a thing to say to somebody face-to-face, but good on them for being able to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough because it's hard to know who you want your audience to be, right? Um, I wrote a thing years ago about race and skin color and Animal Crossing, which was kind of like the breakout. If there's a breakout piece for me, 
it's me on the screen. It's the Animal Crossing thing I wrote forever ago. Um, and I had I had a white dude email me. I know he was a white dude because he said, Austin, this is the first time I've ever read anyone <laughs> use the word privilege without rolling my eyes. And oh, like, fuck, man. Like, all right. But also, like, yeah, okay. Like, I got through to you because I got to write because I wrote about Randall Cunningham and you understood who Randall Cunningham was right. and like understood because I use this football metaphor, you got what it, the pressure of being black was, right? You mm-hmm. understood privilege for the first time, but I used a metaphor that like fit into your world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a, that's a victory. And also, I don't only want to write for people who need to be converted, but, but I also don't only really want to write for the converted. And that's a right, tough, right, that's right. A tough thing, right? Um, but I think I've done a decent job of, of hitting those people. I get a lot of messages now that are just like, you know, hey, I don't agree with everything you say, but, and then like an extended version of, but you're very articulate, which, oh, you know, man. which they don't know. They don't oh, know. They don't know. Oh, you know what I mean? But, but that's, that's just some, every time I, hear I know, you, I know, oh, I you know what it. though, you know, what's so amazing about you, Austin, is that you immediately come to their defense and say, they don't know. They don't know. And like, I'll teach them, but like, and then they'll know, yeah. and then there will not be an excuse. Um, oh, or the one I get, actually, the one I get more than that is emails from people who are like, "This this thing I did was that racist?" And like, as if I'm a pre, like, oh, nominee. You're Patre, their black go. friend now. Yeah. Congratulations. What are you saying? Yes. yes. I mean, um, but I get, but but for real, I do get a lot of people who say in in a, a much less offensive way. I don't always agree with what you say, but I'm so thrilled that your voice is on the Beastcast, that right. your voice is on the site, that you're bringing this stuff up. This stuff is all stuff that is important, um, often not to do with race. Like the thing that the, the hottest, most contentious issue on, on Giant Bomb, whenever it's written about, is labor. Every time. Mm. Every time. That's interesting. Like you, talk, you say the word union is a fight in the comments. Wow. You say the word like, oh, things should be better for developers. Everybody's like, yeah, developers. Developers are good. And then you're like, so what they should do is organize. And everyone's like, I wish I could lynch you. And right. that's like, <laughs> okay, not everybody. But that's the one time I've gotten a, li- a specific, I wish I could lynch Austin Walker was a union talk. And like, really? really? Over this? Wow. But wow. that was probably not even, like, they didn't even think about. No, the connotations what? of sure they, they may did. have sure lynching, they did. lynching a black they, person. I don't think so. On, I don't man. think so. In the in that particular instance, right? Because it wasn't, it wasn't. It was just the story. It was just words, right? There was this wasn't right. even my voice. This wasn't even my face. It was just someone who saw me say. It was in defense. It was. It, I think this was the one that came out of. Um, Either the SAG after stuff. It was some, at some point I had said, "Hey, you know what? That no, it wasn't unions. It was." Uh, sunset developers, Tale of Tales, right. um, oh, were right. shutting down. Shut down. And they right. had been, let me be clear, they had had, let's say, a controversial social media presence. They right. had gone right. hard at some right. people right. in what is frankly kind of an embarrassing way uh, and had said that they were done with games. And what I did was I wrote a piece that was like, games need non-commercial funding. Like mm-hmm. the same way the arts do, right. the same right. way that poetry does, the same way that film does, the same way that all these other artistic endeavors do. We need in America, we need in the U.S., we need non-commercial funding for games somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the thing that got like the, my first real death threat was was that like really 
Like, which is like, well, I guess well, it's it checkbooks. Lynch, like, I guess it it's the lynching. wallet. It was Marshawn Lynch that they were talking about. Right, oh, right. Yeah. Just oh, get some Skittles mode. thrown at you. Right, that's giant beast mode, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> but my real life thought, my, my real true thought here is, like, I do think the, that audience has come to like me a lot more and to be and to ask the questions themselves. I look at I look at articles now, I look at reviews and I see those conversations happening because there are people who had those thoughts before and didn't think that that was a place for them. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's my favorite thing is this is just the old teacher in me. It's like so when you overhear your students like having the good conversation about the book that they were assigned to read or like not even mm-hmm. that book, you hear some say like, "Well, if you look in the in the in the footnotes it says and like, "Oh shit, this he read the footnotes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's in it. Um, and that to me is, that's, that's how I, that's when I made it, right? Is like, that's the biggest joy I get is seeing other people have the sorts of conversations I'd like to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, you know, I, I love these conversations about the community because, I mean, I was one of those people that while I never mm-hmm. swore off Giant Bomb as a whole especially the way that the community kind of reacted to sort of the Samantha Allen kind of stuff in 2014. I was like, I can't deal with this. So I stopped going to the forums and all that stuff. Yep. I still read the site and like all that, but I did start seeing, you know, when, when like you came on, I really gave it another shot and now I've, I've enjoyed it. So like, I do think that there has been like a change and it's not saying everything is completely clean because no place is. No, of course. And what is, is the internet, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But, but um, one thing that I have seen a lot of uh, community reaction to in terms of like, I, of like your work is like sort of like your, um, you know, your participation in sort of the game of the year stuff and your game of the year yeah. lists, because your lists and your games are always like, like these are Austin games. You know, yeah, it's true. Like, and and you're not wrong. And and I always love that because you know, like, you're definitely not afraid to put a game on that you know no one else will probably mm-hmm. want or vote. No one for, has played right? Wheels of Aurelia this year. Yeah, like that's not <laughs> the people who have. It's it's you know, it's not that many people, and it's it's not a game we did a quick look of on the website, for instance. You know, so there is there is definitely. Um, you know, I put Dragon Ball Xenoverse on my list this year. Like, yes. I don't care. Like, I know the games that <laughs> felt good to me, that, like, that made me excited and happy. And the, the thing that I... My guiding principle, the guiding principle as a critic for me, is to be radically honest about the experiences I've had with a, with a work, a game, a movie, whatever, an album. And, mm-hmm. like, as long as I'm doing that, I'm doing my job. Uh, my job is not to to make sure that the reader's voice is replicated in the piece. It's not to consider whether or not the majority of, of readers will agree with me. It's to think deeply about the experience I had and then be really honest about it, even when I know it's going to get me into some shit. Um, mm. And that can be hard to do because, like, I like using Twitter. And I wish I, like, there are days where it's like, I don't want to publish this. Like, this just means my whole weekend is just going to be my phone exploding at me (laughs) about how people think I'm wrong about Dark Souls 2 again. Like, I get it. You don't (laughs) like Dark Souls 2. Fine. Like, you and 70 other people this weekend aren't going to convince me that the time I spent with Dark Souls 2 wasn't good. Like, that to me is the most frustrating shit. Like, Fallout 4 was the big one last year, like, on the Game of the Year thing, right? was like, I enjoyed my time with Fallout 4. I don't mean, it doesn't mean that I think other people are wrong for not enjoying their time with it. But like, 
I built a real dope basketball court in Fallout 4, <laughs> and that gave me joy in my life. Like, in my life, it gave me joy. I can't lie about that because I know that someone else is going to get mad at me for liking the game more than them. And also, just fuck off. Like, come on. <laughs> like, how small is your life that you're at me? Like, you know? like You so. know how small people's lives are, man. I do. Because like, I used to be 17 and right, did the right. same shit. Like, we didn't have Twitter, but like I was on NeoGAF. You yeah, know, right. I was on there being like, why so low and all that shit, you know, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I know, but it's like, what was your trolling platform of choice when you were 17? Mine was the one up forums. So I was right. like, I yeah. Yep. Yeah. yep. 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 Totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, so, so, I was like finishing like, man, Luke Smith was a real asshole on one up yours this week. Like, okay. Yep. Good. Oh, I, I hate the way good. you talk to Shane. This is bullshit. Those were the best. <laughs> Those were the Shane best is a talk. good boy. Why is everyone mean to Shane? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sony Defense Force. Um, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so so, so I, I, I want to do a quick follow-up on the Fallout 4 thing. So like, so, so like I took this great quote that you wrote about Fallout 4, which was, I waver between passively letting Fallout 4 wash over me and actively going out of the way to find edge cases that break the game's design, which I thought was just an awesome quote that I feel like kind of encapsulates the feeling that a lot of people have with open-world games yeah. that... You, you know, there's the game and then there's kind of the meta game that you have with yourself is how far can I take this? Can I get over that that edge? Yep. Am I going to be blocked by an invisible mm-hmm. wall? Can I uh, can I can, can I do this? Do you think that when these open world games are designed by, you know, these big teams are are they thinking like we're going to develop all these assets and like all this stuff? But we know people might not see it because they're going to spend their time kind of meandering around on like right. a side quest are people going to play like the witcher three and never do 60% of what we developed. Right. Because right. It's so huge. Um, I think that the big open world games that we think of as being like undirected are actually way more strictly designed than we might think they are. Mm. Um, I need to dig it up, but someone I know on Twitter did an amazing playthrough and like live tweet of Fallout New Vegas, which is probably my favorite Fallout game, mm-hmm. um, where they mapped what their path was and kind of mapped out where the invisible walls are. Like, not literal invisible walls, but that's a game that feels from the jump dramatically open in a way that, that Fallout 3 did, not in a way that, you know, um, even some of the the, uh, the uh, Elder Scrolls games don't. Because it's just like, it's just flat land. Just pick a direction and go, right? Except that, like, there are death claws here that you that the game knows you will not be able to get past easily. And there's just nothing besides those. Um, and, and so a lot, of, a lot of games that feel just really wide open are actually very carefully hurting you through some content. And that's not to say that there are games that, that there's not a spectrum of openness, right? Like, I do think Witcher 3 is probably more open than that. Except, again, there are, like, leveled quests. It's like, you can't do this level 30 quest when you're level 6. You can't do it. Um, uh, but like, I, I think that, I do think that in those cases, there's definitely a, a kind of a relinquishment of, of the notion that someone's going to see the whole thing. I think that's, I think that that's probably okay mm-hmm. for those, for those developers. Like, I think that they probably have come to terms with that. Um, and they know like some stuff is just going to be more popular than other stuff, right? Like if you're playing an Elder Scrolls game or if you're working on one and you, you know, you're doing the fighter's guild quest you know less people are going to see that than are going to see the Dark Brotherhood stuff. Like, you know right, there are more right, people right. who want to see the Dark Brotherhood stuff mm-hmm. than the Fighters Guild stuff. Um, and that's, you know, I don't think that that's a, 
that's not like a death sentence. You know, I think there's still good work to be done there. The other thing that I think about a lot is I was thinking about Undertale uh, in regards to this, which mm-hmm. I think is filled with that sort of like little jokes that it's very easy to miss. Yes. Um, or even just like little heartfelt moments that are very easy to miss. But it's filled with so many that that there is just a high chance that you'll hit enough to have a great experience with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, where like... I never want to play Undertale again. I had my Undertale experience. I don't want to go through and catalog all of the good stuff in Undertale. Uh, I'll let people do that. They have the wiki that's good for them. Like, have fun. If that's how you want to enjoy that game, I'm not here to judge you. But I, <laughs> I like, specifically do not want to go back to that game and try to find more good stuff there because I think it's right. like it goes against the message of that game. Right. Um, and because I didn't need to to have a good experience. Like, I know I missed some stuff, but like the stuff that I got was so good because it was so dense with good stuff. Uh, I think that's like the way to do that sort of design where like you just have to trust that the stuff that you're putting out, that there's enough good stuff there that you don't need to scour the game to find it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I did a little bit of that. I, I, I feel that you can't min-max everything and expect yes. to have that same thing. Oh man, we are we are talking about good stuff on this show and we are going to come back after our break and talk some more good stuff with our our, our friend and the dopeness that is Professor Killer. Uh, <laughs> we have you already Austin know what Walker. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Austin Walker. We'll be right back after this. Allow me to introduce myself. Macedonia the name, ESOP's the acronym for the website and the show you need to have within your podcatcher bin. Both sides of the surface. Hip-hop, soul, funk, and electronic harmonics that are sonically rich in nutrients guaranteed to give your mind, body, and soul what it needs. All this from the poor man's podcast that's lo-fi in approach, but hi-fi in results. Radio B-Sots with Macedonia. Digging our way through all of that I in order to bring you nothing but that aw damn Hi, I'm J.P. Fairfield, co-host of Operation Cupid. Join me and my co-host, Cherie Jackson, as we tackle a different topic in our corporate lives and in our personal lives. Listen to our podcast at OperationCubicle.net. Welcome back, everybody, to the Swarmy Podcast. This is episode 111 of the show. We are getting our mind blown by Austin Walker from Giant Bomb, and he's been killing it uh, on this show. Um, we have, I had one kind of thought before we jump into the news for this week. Um, you know, we talked about the, the kind of people who we would love to see kind of be in that one room when we have the mm-hmm. like biggest, smartest black people room to get to talk about all, all media and all things, all things dope. Um, and we've kind of seen, you know, folks kind of move out of their normal quote unquote normal circles with, uh, Ta-Nehisi doing uh, black Panther yeah. Uh, we see we see Evan jump into IO9 mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of digging into that stuff. If you were to do some moonlighting on the side and you were to do some non-gaming uh, 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 writing pieces, what would you want to dig into? What kind of stuff would you want to I got about? some like, I got some like, I'm like, I live in New York and I live in Queens, which means I have like two novels in this drawer that I need to finish <laughs> one day. <laughs> um, that is like, that's probably really it. Like I have... There was a moment yesterday, not yesterday, time. What is time? Uh, it was a moment like, <laughs> two months ago. Philosophy where, major, at least. Yeah, right. What, what, is, what is time? Uh, <laughs> there was a moment two months ago or so when I realized, like, okay, game plan. Like, 
is there a world in which I want to stop writing about games one day? Or when I feel like there are enough other new voices that like, I, I can't keep up with these, these youngins. Like, let me get out. Yeah. What would I do? And I would be write fiction probably. It would probably be go write short stories and novels. And like, the part of the reason that I think about that is, so I do a, I do a tabletop game podcast where I run a ta- like tabletop RPGs for my friends. Yeah. Um, uh, friends of the Table. It's called friendsofthetable.net. Great um, show. Great Thank show. you. Appreciate it. And this season on it, I started doing these intro write-ups where it was just like, you know, like a one and a half, two minute write-up of me just like setting a scene and, and describing it, you know, with, with my words. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And then one week we didn't get a chance to record anything. Like normally we record in bulk where it's like, we'll do three or four hours of recording, cut that up across three or four weeks um, and then this one week, it's just like, we didn't have anything in the bag. We didn't have uh, a backup plan to like do a side game. We didn't have, one of our players was, was having surgery that day. Mm. And it was just like, all right, what do we do? And I was like, I'm just going to write a bunch of short fiction, like that's set in the same sci-fi universe, but set like 20,000 years before this thing. And I was like, oh, I forget how much, I forgot how much I love to write. And it hit me that like, Hmm. A lot of people who work in book publishing listen to my podcasts. Like, <laughs> uh, like I want, if there's ever an exit plan, like what is it? It's it's probably fiction writing. Like it's, which is like a is a privileged ass thing to say to some degree because like good luck writing fiction books uh, for money. <laughs> um, but like if I had if I if I had to like cash in a, a connection I didn't know I have, it's probably that to where like I you know. Again, five or six years from now, if anything ever happens with CBS, old media is going the way of the dinosaur, right? <laughs> right. CBS is ever like, we have to close down. With less moon vest here, we're closing down. Uh, the only thing that's left is is uh, Price is Right. That's the only thing that's profitable <laughs> anymore. Price is Right. It. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> It's the one, right? That's what you know. Um, that's what you know. Shit is going real bad when the price, yeah, if is, price right is goes right. away. Yeah. If, if I ever get a call that is like, hey, heads up. Uh, we have to let you know you can't get prices right tickets anymore because we're shutting down prices right. I will be on monster.com that night. Yeah. Like, it is time to find a new job. CBS is closing. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that was what it would be for me. It'd be like fiction writing, probably sci fi stuff, or like speculative fiction, a little, a little political, a little experimental. Um, you know, a lot of my favorite writers write what is like ostensibly science fiction, but like with some some grounded bents like they're either writing about uh like they're either it's a science fiction or a fantasy setting but it's focused on people and and their real lives or it's like magical realism where it's like um everyday lives but through a glass darkly in some way right like oh this is a, a like a strange metaphor for suicide or for depression or for love or for whatever right like but but magic happens to be happening or something weirdly magical um, mm-hmm. so that's the sort of stuff I think if I could snap my fingers and be in a different life and still be happy, it would still be writing, but it would be writing fiction instead of writing cr- criticism. Mm, mm. I, I know, I know that we have also talked a little bit on Twitter about kind of the, the sci-fi stuff that you're into yeah. and, and have, have, have some, not necessarily beef with some stuff, but just like you, you're thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. I, I have, I have beef with everything. I, that thing I've said before <laughs> is anything I love, I hate, right? Like. Because mm. you get close enough to a thing to see the formula, and then you learn where the formula came from, mm-hmm. and you start seeing some of the side effects from it, or some of like the unintended 
concept. Like you think about the word enlightenment, like a thing that happens a lot is like someone is like, Austin, you're very enlightened. And like, man, there was a time growing up or like as a 20 year old, I was like, thank you. Like that's a good, like, and I'll still say thank you. I'm so polite. But in the back <laughs> of my head, all I can think about is like, yeah, the enlightenment started real good democracy, science, and then quickly became like, how can we categorize black folk as less than humans so that we can justify moving in and colonizing Africa? Right. How can we justify, mm -hmm. you know, the opium wars? How can we justify like, uh, and, and it was one of those things of like, oh, the enlightenment is actually this deeply complex, um, very difficult moment in time. And to be enlightened means a very specific things. So it means you sound the way smart men sound, which right. also means you sound the way smart white men sound. Right. Um, and that's a very, so that even like something like that is like, Ooh, that's tricky. And so with science fiction, the one that gets me the most is space science fiction. Like, like I love space stories. I love mass effect. I love star mm -hmm. Wars. I love star Trek. Like I grew up on all that. I grew up reading Asimov. I grew up re like, that's, I we're I'm in it. Like I like it. I enjoy it in my heart. And also when I see something like interstellar and it says, that's the one thing that was was that the movie McConaughey yes. a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's like man wasn't man wasn't meant to die on this planet. Man was born on Earth, but wasn't meant to die on Earth. It, it feels like that sort of story so often feels like a way to ignore not just that story, but like that idea, which you also find in things like the Mars One program. Mm -hmm. uh, you find in like a lot of the the hype around um spacex things like that mm -hmm. it's like oh we're meant to be in the stars like not everyone's going to be able to afford to go to the stars right, um, right. 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 most people are going to be able to afford to like live subs lives of subsistence on earth until mm -hmm. they die um that's the majority of earth we are lucky to be where we at um lots of people are doing okay and then lots more are not doing great uh, and and the promise of the stars is often made as if the stars will be uncomplicated, as if we can leave behind poverty and uh, oppression, right. because in the stars everything is equal. So that's the, that's one. Right. Two, space is terrifying. It is. Um, <laughs> there's this like deeply. Uh, there's a deeply influential to me piece um, that I I always forget the name of. The people who who wrote it, uh, it is it is I think it's two Italian folks, George uh, uh, Caffensis and Silvia Federici. There's a piece called Mormons in Space, um, and and it's just like a, it's kind of a short thing wow. that that ends up saying like, okay, who is it that gets sent into space once capitalism is ready to send some folks into space? It mm. needs to be people who and this is these are quotes from it: people who can endure social isolation and sensory deprivation for long periods of time without breaking down, because right. being in a spaceship is just like being in a spaceship for a year is already terrifying yeah, and, right. and tough. Imagine going to Mars. Imagine right. going further. Two, perform perfectly, quote unquote, in extreme hostile uh, slash alien and artificial environments under enormous stress. Three, mm. achieve a superb control of bodily functions. Consider it takes an hour to shit in space. Uh, and psychological reactions like control over anger, hate, and indecisiveness 
are all, are all too human frailties, which can be disastrous in the fragile, vulnerable world of life, life in, in space. Uh, and then someone who demonstrates total obedience, conformity, and receptivity to commands, for there can be little, little tolerance for social deviations and disagreements when the most minute of act of sabotage can have catastrophic consequences of the very costly, complex, and powerful equipment entrusted to their hands. And so, like, their, their kind of hyperbolic or, or kind of, like, facetious thing is like, oh... Mormons, like really right. devout Mormons, is who you got sure. to send to space, um, and it's obviously a stand-in for just like those qualities. You need people to go right. to space who mm-hmm. are just like, no, you're going to do what you're told because someone in Texas knows that if you turn left a little bit, you're all dead. Uh, and <laughs> and that is like it's sexed up so often the space travel story, and it's so mm-hmm. rare that space is made to be scary. That's like right. there are stories that do that, obviously. Um, uh, that. Uh, Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock piece. What was that called? Yeah. What was that drawn? Contact. Called? Uh, Contact. No, no, no. no gravity. Not contact. Oh, gravity. Gravity. Okay. Gravity. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. right. So every now and then, it's like, oh yes, yeah, space is this impossibly terrifying thing. Yeah. But so often, it's just it's just sexy escapism. Um, right. Literally, we need to escape from Earth to go to a place where something else isn't there. It's one of the reasons why I really liked. There was a trailer for Stellaris, which is that game that came yes. out from Paradox recently. Yep. In that trailer, there's like this, oh, we got away from our planet, and we went to space, and then we encountered aliens, and they killed us. Um, right. The aliens won. <laughs> the aliens are humans in military uniforms, and he realized like halfway through the trailer that the voice is an alien is an alien voice, and they hit humans, and humans are like the big bad in space, which ah, is great. that's awesome. And two, yep. it ends up being like, well, up here, there's, you know, political bickering and not enough resources, just like home. Like, it, right. it turns out just like home. And that, to me, is, like, the, the thing I want in sci-fi, which I'm not saying no sci-fi does that. But, like, if you're going to be in space, it, you're still going gonna to have unique problems because it's space, but also just like home. Like, yep. um, mm-hmm. it's just people. It's just, it turns out, no matter where you go, it's just people. So (laughs) (laughs) the hubris of the human race will always be the thing that will be its downfall. Absolutely. Always, always, always. Twas beauty that killed the beast. (laughs) 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 So um, it's hard to pivot from uh, the hubris of humanity into this question, but I'm going to do it anyway because I've got balls. Uh Um, So you, you, you know, in news, um, and especially in gaming news, uh, but in news in general, the the thing that kind of proves your worth, that kind of proves your metal, is is getting a scoop, mm-hmm. being the first person to have a piece of news before anyone else has it. And um, you, sir, you you kind of had the you had the scoop of the quarter, if not the entire year, with the news of the PS Neo. The PS four point five, the story that you that you broke on uh, Giant Bomb about a month ago. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's I, about the, right that that was a month ago. I'm not here patting myself on the back. Yeah, right. Story, story of the century, really. Let me just. I mean, pat away, just, man. Pat away. Right. Yeah. No. I, but 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 so I, I guess so. There's two important questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is, uh, can you get a table at Spago now? No, <laughs> no. But serious, Sony has serious. people everywhere. I can't get a table anywhere, anywhere. anymore. <laughs> right. Can't go to. You're not getting tickets to Hamilton front row. No, they um, they they cut me out that lottery. They're like, no, right. never. Right, right. <laughs> not with you. Uh, yeah. But seriously, like, has has the fact that you you're the one to break this news 
um, hurt or helped your ability to get news from other publishers and, and developers? Of course, Sony. Um, um, you're you're really on their shit list, but uh, but everybody else. I don't know. Like, listen, I saw Adam Boys from Sony two weeks after I broke that story at PAX, and we had a nice mm-hmm. talk. Like, right. Um, it's. But you didn't see the voodoo doll of you that he. No, I didn't. I know. <laughs> oh, that explains why my back has been all right. Like, I, yeah. okay. Uh, so first of all, shout out to Patrick Klepek who broke the first half of that story, which was sure. they're doing right. a thing because otherwise I wouldn't have even known to start digging. Right, like. Right. He broke coming out. He and Kotaku broke coming out of GDC that there was going to be a thing like a PlayStation 4.5, PlayStation mm-hmm. 4K, whatever you wanted to call it then. Um, and then once I was on the hunt for that stuff, uh, I was able to secure that information. Um, I think it's, it does good things for, for me as a reporter in that other potential sources know that I, at the very least, am protecting them. Like, I'm not. No one, you know, there's mm-hmm. there is no chance ever of of the source I had for this coming out. Like that's the people will know that and will feel comfortable working with me in that way. And they also saw that I like. I hope that this comes across that like I did the legwork to make sure that this was good, that this was solid, that I wasn't reporting mm-hmm. rumors. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that you do in this situation. Like here, like the tips on this for if you're ever in this situation, if someone ever gives you some information the things you do are like go to somebody else to confirm it, but not in a way that can out your source. Right. Don't run any images that they give you because those images, one can be directly, can just be like, Oh, this is watermarked in a way you didn't notice. Right. Two, if you can help it, don't run quotes because the, who knows, right? Like maybe they got a PDF that has been written such that the phrasing is unique so that the, the person involved can cut it down to a smaller pool of people. Yes. Um, there are so many ways in which what looks like a nice scoop for you can really hurt your source. And mm-hmm. the way you get sources who are willing to work with you is to prove that you you're doing your due diligence to protect your sources and your due diligence to investigate what they're, what they're sending you. I get people who send me shit all the time and it has gotten way easier over the last year to be like, nah, this smells funny. Like this is right. nice. <laughs> um, people who, who are like, I heard whatever, you know, I heard the X, the new Xbox is, is blank. Um, that's right. not a real one. I didn't heard anything about a new Xbox, <laughs> right. but if, but that's right. the sort of thing that I've gotten before. And it's, it gets to the point where it's very clear when someone is either is like either really knows some shit, but like doesn't necessarily know that they can trust you with it or right. doesn't know anything or heard some shit and, and, but is acting like they know. Um, and being able to decipher when it's one of those things or the other is, is, is tough. But like, once you get it, it, it does feel good, you know? And, and I do think that it, in general, uh, part of me is like, uh, you know, part of me has always been like, oh, I'm a critic, not just a journalist, like, or not, not, I'm not a great, I'm not as good of a journalist as I am a critic. I've mm-hmm. always been like, oh, you know, if you want great journalism, go to Patrick Klepik. If right. you want, if you want really good criticism, come to me. Um, that's been like the mm-hmm. easy way of talking about it. Mm-hmm. But that also means that there are a whole class of people who don't take me seriously. And so like getting that, that scoop means that I'm on radars. I wasn't on before, which means that when mm-hmm. it's time to talk business about whatever, like when it's time to do that crit work, I'll hit ears that trust me. Now I have credibility with people who otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, come, come mess with me. And that's, that's an important step for me. 
Yeah. Yeah. First, I just want to say, um, everybody, start sending me some shit because I want some stuff too. <laughs> I want to learn some things. No, I'm just kidding. But, but no, second of all, it gets no, the no, other thing like, to have. Here's the other thing that happens is like sometimes somebody will be like, yo, off the record, here's some shit. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I come on the record. Like, yeah. I'll pick right, 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 right. Because right, right. you just said right. something like. I know. Um, man. Friend, friend DAs are, are the fucking yeah, hardest one. Yes. Yep. Friend yeah. DAs are the hardest, the hardest. Yep. Uh, so now, so now that you've broken this, you 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 put this out there. It's out there now. It's in the zeitgeist for mm-hmm. a lot of people. People are expecting this at E three. To the for the most part, I think people are expecting this at E three. Yeah. What what do you think in a, a kind of prevailing conversation that we've been having and everybody else on most gaming podcasts and, and most sites now that leave us even so uh, that some kind of almost specs have been put out there a little bit yeah. too. But the thing that people have really been talking about is how is Sony going to message this to their consumer base? Oh, man, I don't what, know. What are, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that part? How can they get this right? I don't know. I, I think that they're very good at messaging. I think there will, be a, there will have been enough time between this leak and E3 to where like, they can probably talk about it openly in a way that is exciting again. Um, but I don't know. Like it's, to me, it's a hard sell because I have a PS4, right? Right. Um, I, I've said before that, like, if this was a, if this was a Microsoft system, if this was an Xbox 1.5, then I would actually be really interested in it because I don't have an Xbox One yet. Right. Right. Um, so, like, yeah, okay, like that's the one I'll get. Uh, so I think they can target new new uh, potential owners. But if you're someone who just bought a PS4, I don't know how you look at this in a way that's supposed to get you excited. I think. Mm-hmm. They have to do a lot of work to explain that the system you have is still solid, that the thing that like they're releasing is is a step forward, but is not it doesn't make they're doing a lot to protect the unity of the console. And they are. Like I, I think that's the thing that came out of the story that I ran is like, hey, the stuff that's gonna be on this is gonna be better, but it isn't gonna be it's not a new console. It's not a it's not another it's not the next generation. Um the other thing that I, I don't know about is what this means for PlayStation VR. Um, the thing that I, that's the one thing that I think could really help this is if they say, hey, you could buy a PS4 Neo to get the VR shit built in. Uh, or maybe it still costs more because it's a VR bundle or something, but it's going to be built in and the VR is going to be even better or something like that. Like, I don't know what that looks like, but that's maybe a direction they could go. Um, I don't know. I think it's a hard sell. Yeah, uh, I... I... On on that note, um, and I've I've got to begrudgingly shout out our homeboy Paris Lilly uh, from the Gamertag Radio, who uh, who kind of uh, hashtag stubnosticated this. Um, <laughs> he he's speculating that there will be no talk of the PS4K four point five Neo at E three, and that they are going to focus strictly on VR and save the new console mm-hmm. for Gamescom. Really? I could see them doing that, I guess. I guess, but like um I don't know, man. Like that's not that's not like the least conceivable world I've ever I've ever envisioned, but like it isn't that's not a big improvement. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like right, right, right. That's like when you're in a relationship and like your anniversary is coming up but you also know you have to break up with this person. And it's like, all right, do we do the anniversary first? And that way we have a nice anniversary and then we break up or like Valentine's day is coming up. 
and like, <laughs> all right, let's do like, or do you want to be the person who's like, you're going to have a shitty Valentine's day. Cause <laughs> we done like right. that's the difference. And, and I like, it's still going to come. The, the, the other foot is going to drop at some point. Right, I think E3 right. is, if they have their messaging down, E3 is the opportunity to message it. Like, and based on how they handled the beginning of the generation, based on the talented people who I know are there, I suspect they're capable of, of hitting a cell. I expect like I'll be able to I'll walk out of that and be like, wow, I didn't think they could do it, but they did it. Like, right, right, so, right. so I don't know. Like, I, I think if you have that E3 stage and you're trying to move hardware, I don't know. But I guess the, the alternative argument is just the argument that he made was, was it basically focus on VR because that's the big thing? Uh, mm. Focus on focus on VR because it's the big thing, and do, or don't focus on four point five because then it it you uh, cannibalize basically yeah. your current you know or you 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 stop people from buying the current console totally. because they knew a new new console is coming out right. in a couple of months. The thing so is now like you've got a few months of of just right. uh, kind of wait and see. The question ends up being, you're you're totally right. Like that is definitely. I'm curious if the numbers changed after the 4.5 rumor first started, to begin right. with. Um, I bet they tilted a little bit. But the other thing that the thing that I think people like us often forget, people who are into gaming, not black folk, people right. who are into gaming, <laughs> is is that like we're very tiny. Like the people yes. who right. follow this stuff. Right. We matter because we tell our friends because we say, like, yo, come over. You have to see this. Um, but we don't matter in the numbers in the way that that the person who only buys Madden and Call of Duty matters. Um, the people who buy consoles en masse don't read Giant Bomb. They don't read Kotaku. They don't read IGN. Those sites are huge. Those sites are huge. But the people who, like just buy consoles like the there's a huge group of people who just that doesn't hit they don't they're not enthusiasts in that way right like there's someone who's like yeah i like movies and someone who has like an in-home theater with like stereo or like 5.1 sound and stuff like that right like most people don't have that but most people like movies and like we're getting there with games to where yeah i have a ps4 like okay like i don't read about games like i'll go into a GameStop a couple times a year and be like what do you have those people have a good chance of still being messaged well when they pick up USA Today or they turn on CNN and someone says, oh, Sony's releasing a PlayStation 4.5. Cool. Like, yeah, I'll get that. Like, oh, that sounds like a good thing I can ask for for Christmas or whatever. Um, so I think we often forget that, that like, we are ex- we either we're in a small exclusive group of people who, who actually follow this stuff that closely. Um, so it totally could be fine. Like, it really could be. But also, maybe not. Like, also, maybe they'll do a bad job. I, I don't know. Um, it's fun to speculate about, but it's just too hard to know for real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have trouble seeing it as this kind of thing to market to mainstream because, to me, it's such a product aim to the hardcore. Yeah. Because, like, who cares about frame rates, the hardcore? Yeah, it's, it's, right. it's yeah. the same games. It's the same network. Like... A casual gamer doesn't care if they could run in 4K. I don't think 4Ks have penetrated that much. No, I so think you're right. It's, it's it's I don't know. It's a interesting. That's thing. a good. That's a good insight. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, so so we'll see. But uh, speaking of games, um, I wanted to roll into another game, um, a card game made by Blizzard. Uh, oh, oh, really? Never, they made card games huh? called Hearthstone. 
Um, so we talked last week about um, how there was a big DreamHack tournament, uh, Mm -hmm. and there was a a, uh, player, Terrence M., that was unfortunately the victim of a lot of uh, harassment in the chat. Um, And recently, the the CEO of Blizzard uh, actually came out and issued a statement, Um, and he basically said that they were disappointed by the language, and they kind of go over, like, their company Mm -hmm. values and say that this is not acceptable they give some really sort of generic like we're investigating a, 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 a pilot program stronger systems checks and balances um so there's no real specific details behind this like p- pilot program about combating b- ban evasions um mm-hmm. but the ceo of blizzard said this which i don't recall many times when the head of a gaming company will speak against the either offensiveness or discrimination that they see within the 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 um community culture of that of that game um so i wanted to throw throw it out to you guys do you think this is like a big is this a big deal does this help you to um you know do do, do you feel like things like this kind of signal that um that issues of like harassment are, are, are taken seriously and that they will actually come up with a plan that actually works, you know, and like, will actually right. like prevent this from like happening in the, in the future. So I'll, I'll start with Austin actually. Uh, I, you know, I think when I heard this news, it was just this, it was the embittered cynicism, right. Of like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You can, you gonna fight racism now, blizzard. All right. Good luck. Like, <laughs> okay. Cool. Now nah, have fun. Like that'll be good. I can't wait. I. I but like, you're right. A CEO coming out and saying that is definitely something. Like I, I don't know. It, it. It. The reason it's something is because that's once you say it in public as a CEO, someone can hit you on it down the road, and you can lose your right. job. Right. Like oh, you didn't follow through on this. Um, someone else who wants your spot can hit. Can can you know hang you over the fire for that. Uh, but it is, it is, it is still really hard to imagine the solution to this. I, I, I think there is new, there is some stuff that's happening in like steam right now with regards to, uh, uh, banning multiple accounts by tying mm-hmm. stuff to phones, um, and like locking up IPs that way. Um, so there are definitely potential solutions out there. Like I, I, I fundamentally believe in the human capacity for greatness and for like incredible innovation. And that is why I'm so disappointed so often and like so <laughs> critical of the fact that we don't do things. It's the, this is, here's a, here's a tiny, he's a coach thing, right? Which is like, we can say we can do anything until someone says, how, how can we do reparations? Right? Like oh until God. someone says, rep, says the word reparations or until someone says anything like that, right? Anytime someone says, you know, single player healthcare until someone says, then suddenly Oh no, that's well, be realistic. Like suddenly yeah. we get realistic. And uh-huh. I think that there is I'm I'm just as guilty of that in this case. It was like, yeah, good luck fixing Twitch chat. <laughs> but like no, like what if what if very smart people dedicated themselves to enabling to, you know, dedicated themselves and resources and money to having better mod support, to having maybe even having actual Twitch community mod, you know, mod members who had a a, a you know, a, a behavioral like had some guidelines set up that were like, no, this is for Twitch. This isn't just for our key chat. This is for Twitch. But or or you could bring them in for your key chat. 
it's so tough though. Also, just because the numbers, like that's the thing that makes it. That's what makes me like come back down to reality and feel like it is impossible, even though I know it isn't. Is just like when you're in Twitch chat when it's busy, it's just nothing. Yeah, it's just nonsense. It's just a stream. Um, right, right, right. Hundred miles. But they're they're right exactly. But you know we've done amazing things. I I can imagine someone building tools to automatically pull out and highlight messages that could be. Uh, problematic so that real humans can look at it and then ban people like there there's potential there i don't know i don't know i i hope that the incentive there is strong enough that twitch actually does something about it you know what i mean like when blizzard says we care about this does that give twitch enough incentive to be like all right fine we'll do it you know or (laughs) okay i'll mop the floor like or is it is it are they going to be like, listen, free speech? We care about that. We don't want to give up. We don't want Reddit to be mad at us. Oh, so, right. We'll see. What do you guys think? Sure. Uh, let me let me let me jump in there yeah, real quick. I think I think uh, an easy two things. I think there could be a mea culpa uh, coming from the Blizzard side of this to black people in general by giving each one of us a Black Panther mount. Sure. In, yes. In, uh, in wow! In, in, wow. Wow. in Overwatch, in, in Overwatch, everyone, whatever gets a Black Panther, you get a yes. Black Panther Hearthstone card, and that will mm-hmm. be one of the parts. But I, but it, seriously, <laughs> I think the, the the other part of that is they have to put some money where their mouth is, right? Where yes. it's like you have to make this something where you either are pulling support from Twitch in some way and say we will not put our stuff on your mm-hmm. on your on your channel and on your platform until you get some some stuff together. And it's interesting that when you bring up the the would you. Uh, spend the money to hire people at Twitch to do that thing. And it makes me think of Facebook in the same mm-hmm. way where I remember that story uh, a couple of years ago that talked about the, the the content team where they had to go through training and they had to go through, you know, the mental rigors of kind of going through it like they were almost nine one uh, one uh, operators in some right. form or fashion where you have to go through that training and do it. And I think with the money that Amazon has in Twitch where they've been backing that, they can afford some of that. But I, but I think it's one of those things where they have to be able to figure out a way to, like you said, put some resources behind yeah. it and get people in there where the stream that's going to be going, they have to be able to go back. And they have that implemented already with the, 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 yep. the stream chat stuff that gets archived with the, yeah. way the, with the stream itself. So you have to go back and go in that stuff and, and dig through it and pull people out. I think there's ways. I don't think that this is a, an insurmountable thing. I think there's some stuff that you can do. See? Yeah. Um, so back in Newtown, Connecticut, um, after that tragedy where those children were murdered by a maniac, um, the president of the United States, the POTUS, as great as he was, came out and he tough, he talked real tough about, uh, curbing gun violence, um, after the shooting and the, um, Batman shooting by the, that Holmes dude, yeah. not no relation um, <laughs> um, the the president came out and he talked tough about curbing gun violence. Um, but you know, here we are uh, again. You know, how many years removed from mm-hmm. from Newtown, and nothing has has changed with our gun laws or uh, with the way that the the NRA speaks and and those people that are proponents of of gun ownership and and just 
open carry laws and concealed carry laws and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. The way we deal with guns in America has not changed one iota in the face of all of this atrocity. And it's great if a leader, uh, you know, the POTUS is the CEO of the United States in a way that I don't like the, that analogy, <laughs> but it is, um, you know, but people, but people use it. And, 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 you know, the CEO of Blizzard came out and talked really tough and, and that's great. Um, but it, it is somewhat analogous to say that you're going to end racism as Austin kind of said, um, right. it, it is sort of analogous to, to gun violence in America um, to talk about, how you can actually make effect change right uh, in a very real way uh, with with regards to with regards to this so so if if we can't figure out how to responsibly curb the amount of guns that are on the street legally or illegally in the United States, mm-hmm. um, I think it's it's just as unlikely. That, and I hate to be as pessimistic as I am. I think it's just as unlikely that we'll be able to figure out a way for people to kind of curb the the irresponsible talk in these in these places that we go and we congregate. Now, the Internet itself. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, that shit is crazy. I think uh, one of the things that Austin was saying before about two-step notification, I, I didn't even really think about that. Yeah. But if you do use two-step notification, um, you know, people aren't going to carry around burner phones. Right, to get just on so they Twitch. Can, right, just just <laughs> just so they can call somebody, you know, a nigger on Twitch. Right. Um, so, but if, I mean, if you do, more power to you. Respect your gangster. Um, <laughs> There's you know, a commitment got, there. Right, right. Yeah. You, you've got a crate of track... <laughs> Right. right. If you've got a crate of track phones sitting around so that you can <laughs> so that you can continue to to harass people on, on Twitch, right. more power to you. You've earned that right. You've Ima- earned imagine right if you could that. only be racist on Twitch through the phone method if you had a Nextel phone. You had to chirp people. Right, you had to right. chirp that racism chirping, in. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Yeah, you got to chirp right. in. I feel like that'd be, right. that'd be a great season of The Wire. Just a bunch of burning phones <laughs> and people right. just... Yeah. Seeing how to be racist on Twitch, <laughs> but but before um, before we jump to the next story, I think I think again it kind of mean says McNulty. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the PJ I, saw icon like with a with a red line leading to the Kappa <laughs> emoji leading to the yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> But I think it goes back to the conversation we had earlier about hubris, right? It's like we have right, this right. conversation where you, you make that analogy about guns and you talk about this. It's like the, the feeling like I have the right to be an asshole. I have the right mm-hmm. to right. do this thing too because I feel like I've been given this God-given right, God-given right or whatever, constitutional mm-hmm. right, whatever. Right. So until, until right. people kind of understand the, that that's a thing. Well, the thing that's tough is like, is Twitch a public space? Like, no, it no, isn't. It's it is a right. private space owned by a company that can totally – say that this is gone, this is a step too far, this is not, right. uh, you know, your free speech ends at our establishment, right? Like, t- right. to some degree, like, not, not, like, you're not going to jail over this, but you don't have to, you don't get to use our channels to call people nigger. Like, that's just not, 
No, like, sorry, I don't, the press, you know, the New York Times doesn't have to run racist letters that it gets sent, you know, like that's, um, but that's a very difficult topic in the age of the internet because so much of the promise of the internet has been historically in in like the kind of the rhetoric around it is like, oh, this is just, this is the, the, the open web. This is the place where you get to go and have free speech and and exchange ideas. It's like the, the, the thing that people say the internet is supposed to be really good at and and so like there's this weird double move of like hey if anybody ever says that the thing i'm not the thing that i'm saying i shouldn't be able to say here you get to say like oh no it's free speech but at the same time no one ever talks about the like the fact that that a lot of these spaces are owned by corporations and do mm-hmm. limit your free speech in lots of other ways right that like right. you know there was just a game pulled from apples uh from from the game store on, on iOS um, and because it was about a, a, a Palestinian girl in Gaza and the response was like, oh, this doesn't belong in games. This is a news app right, or an right. information app. But there's a game called like Israeli Missile Hero. That's totally a game. That gets <laughs> right. to be there. Uh, and that's like, is what it's called. Like wow. that's, it's not. They're not even trying like, to be subtle. Right, exactly. So it is, it is, that is the world we live in of like, people want to claim free speech very conveniently. Um, yes. But the, so the other thing I just want to say about this, though, is that, like, you're totally right that as long as we think about this as, like, is Blizzard or Twitch going to solve racism in their spaces? The answer is going to be no. People will find new ways to be exclusionary and offensive and yes. and aggressive and racist and sexist and homophobic and transphobic right. and right. always going to be forever that stuff. Right. Like I, I, I'm a firm believer that the goal should not just be to eradicate the, uh, the, the oppression that exists today. It's, it's about the development of tools and practices and processes so my, that's the four years in Canada. Four years in Canada processes, right? processes. Sorry. Sorry. They say pasta. Like spaghetti is, is, a, is a pasta and it kills me. Uh, the goal I have that be, between you and Vinny though. You and Vinny, yeah. you, you kill me with that. The goal should be uh, to develop tools and processes and practices that let you identify exclusionary and and. Uh, you know, racist and sexist behavior, not just to like wipe it off the face of the earth. Cause like, you ain't going to do it. But what you can try to do is get into like the habit of, and train people, like you were saying before, train people to be able to identify that stuff. Because, because if what you do is get like just a tool that says like, anytime anybody uses a slur, they get banned. Like people just come up with new slurs. No one heard of before. And those be three emojis that don't seem to make, make any sense to anybody, but you go on Reddit, you'll find the thread where someone is like, if you do PJ Salt, then Kappa, that means some racist shit. Like, <laughs> that means white people only because salt is white and this is a person's face. Oh, so. my right. goodness. Are you inventing racism on the show? Are you? Live. Live right now. Wow. Um, racism. Oh. That's, what, that's the thing, though, right? Like, that will keep happening. And yeah. so what you need is people in place who are like, I see you. Like, all right. 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 I've been on Reddit. Yes. I saw your Reddit thread. Right. Uh, and, and computers alone right now will not do that. So... You, if you are determined and and do a lot the research, but again for me it's going to come back. And this is my cynicism of it is like, where, why, why are they going to do it? Like no one is going to do it out of the goodness of their heart. The reason Blizzard spoke up is because DreamHack was a big event where lots of people were paying attention, and it's embarrassing yeah. to have a sponsor yes. call you like, yo, I saw the event. What was going on in that <laughs> chat? Um, we already, whenever I stream to YouTube on Giant Bomb, we turn off YouTube chat because we don't have mods in YouTube chat, like. Right. 
come to the site. We have mods. That means we know that we can make sure that that space is as safe as it can be uh, for people. We don't have mods on YouTube chat. So whenever I stream there, I have to turn it off because I don't want I don't want me streaming the division to just be like people yell nigger in the YouTube comments. Right. Or, or whatever it is, like because they'll do it because they'll or, or or yelling slurs about the characters on screen or whatever, whatever or getting into just bicker fights about Xbox one versus PS4. Right. Like get stop it. And so like, the one thing I can do is say, no, we're not going to have chat over here. We're only going to have chat here where we know we have, we have logs and we have mods who can go in and monitor this stuff live. Um, so I think that's a huge, like man up on the amount of moderators you have. Like again, mm -hmm. develop a specific plan. When I was doing, when I was a stream friends, we hit a point where we realized that we didn't have a code of conduct. We just didn't have one. Um, for internal for like ourselves we didn't have one for mods to follow and it became very important that we like wait a second like we talk about this being a safe space we ain't doing anything about it like it's safe because <laughs> no one's done no shit yet right like right, it's right. safe because <laughs> it's not a crisis moment um but it could be at any time at any time because it's always people you think are cool mm -hmm. it's always people yeah, you think always. are cool who yes. like suddenly yes. do some shit you know what i mean yes. um <laughs> And then you have, have that disappointing our, talk. But if team. you have the code yeah, of right. conduct... <laughs> Usually it's me. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have the code of conduct, you can at least be like, yo, yeah. I sent you this piece of paper. I know right. you read it. <laughs> right. Uh, and that helps. <laughs> and, and if the person has the piece of paper, they, at the very least, you're kind of having that conversation with them ahead of time. So yeah, right. there's those steps. there are steps that can be taken. It's just... I also don't know. This isn't going to be an overnight thing. It's an optics thing. Blizzard had to get out there and say, right. yo, we're going to stop this. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. And, and there's other ways in which I'm, I'm curious to see what they do in the future. Like, who do they bring on to do the commentary on their official mm -hmm. streams? Uh, which organizations do they work with, you know, in terms of what their, who their sponsors are for events like this? Um, there are other ways that they could communicate that they're actually trying to do some shit. Uh, other than just saying they're going to do some shit, right? Like, I think a lot about the YouTube thing of a couple months ago, YouTube was like, uh, you know, we're going to protect people who want to do interesting things with, uh, free, with free speech and with um, uh, fair use. Uh, and I was like, all right, like, you're saying that now, but like, I don't, <laughs> I don't believe you because you haven't done anything. Two or three weeks ago, they came out and said, like, they're changing the ways in which monetization works with uh, fair use claim or with use claims where, where, uh, it used to be the case that a YouTuber who got a, uh, a copyright claim filed against them immediately stopped making money off their, that video. Even yeah. if that claim was eventually dis dismissed, they wouldn't get any of the money that was generated during that intervening oh, wow. section in that intervening right. time. They finally changed that. And so for me, that was like, all right, like I see you, you're doing some work. Good right. job. Like keep doing it. This isn't, it's not, that's not it. But like there are steps that I can see a company taking even in these like real uphill climbs that, that can show that they're actually dedicated to something. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there absolutely. are absolutely steps. Um, I'm a little more optimistic on it. I think than most people, um, I, though I do think it does require like a fundamental shift in something that a company does that is not strictly profit based, which mm -hmm. is, can be a tough sell. Um, the only way they can kind of tie it to profit is if they say, look, Esports is getting big. We want to be sort of the yes. official, you know, streaming service and the platform. We don't we don't want YouTube gaming or or Hitbox or like whatever mm -hmm. um, or TBS. Right, know. right, uh, right. Has that, has that started yet? Uh, I think uh, in about a week. 
man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Turner. All right. Um, yeah. So, so like, I think they can do it. I do think part of it is a programming challenge. Though. Like I do think that they need to throw some heavy resources at some like top level people to just sit in a room, you know, expensive people to sit in a room mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. bang stuff up. Mm-hmm. Because I do think part of it is a programming issue, but the ultimate part is you got to reconfigure a part of your company to deal with this. And right. that's, in any company for anything, that's a slow process and usually yes. involves people being shifted around or leaving. I wonder I people. wonder if they're I wonder if they're in a unique position in that they probably dealt with this to some degree with WoW already. Where like we have millions right. of people right. and at the very least there's conflict resolution and, and people who they've already trained people. They've already gone through the process of trying to figure out that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, you know, they they probably have it's in their best interest to figure this out now before Overwatch comes out because Winston is just a big black monkey. So like, <laughs> right? Need, right? They have Literally. got to get. They need to get out in front of this and make sure that their ducks are in a row. I'm saying. I mean, in the conversation that we have about, and that he's cool. I want to be clear. I think Winston's a cool character. No, Winston is dope. Winston is dope. But it's but it's also because it's funny because like the Blizzard side of that is the Blizzard side of that, right? And the mm-hmm. Twitch side is the Twitch side. But right. we're we're talking about all these. Uh, uh, tools that they're supposed to be doing to kind of help squash all this stuff. I don't see anybody hardly ever on any of their big shows, never mind DreamHack, any of their big stage shows, any of their big long weekend, long stuff that are people who look like us ever. Ever, ever. I hardly ever. They're not marketed. They're not putting any of the stuff, the promotional Mm -hmm. shit, none of that stuff. So we're talking about that in this grand scheme. They haven't even put any of us in front of the goddamn well, camera yet. Can I do well, a wait, can I do a segue? Is this a yeah? Word? yeah go ahead. I, I can so think of a I can think of a of an esport that has a brother in in a commercial right now. Oh oh, who's that? Uh there's a game called Counter Strike. Yeah, and, and oh. one of the most fa- one of, one of the most famous black men in the world. Cicero <laughs> Holmes the third. Me, Cicero. Me? <laughs> I can see the resemblance. Yes, that's <laughs> Jesus. It's him. It's Caesar. Caesar. Caesar's go. Caesar's go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's the uh, remix. Shaq is in a Counter Strike ad. Yes. Oh man. I don't yes. even. I don't know what to do with this. Me either. This is like this is like one of those things where you're just like, I expect Shaq to know what he's getting himself into, but I really feel like he was in a room and he was sleepy. Mm-hmm. And someone put this in front of him and was like, man, Shaq Fu too, and this too, and then this, and then this. It was like one of those things where you have like the, the line and you're just signing shit. Yep. It's right. like he's in the autograph line and he's just signing shit and this is one of the things that he signed. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I think this was Turner's call though. Like uh, Tur- Turner said, hey, who are we, like we're not going to get EJ, like we're not going to get right. the Jet. Uh, right. You know? Um, we're definitely not going to get Charles. Yeah, exactly. We're definitely not going to get Charles. I'm, I'm, Imagine Bar- Charles Barkley <laughs> doing this now. <laughs> Video games are terrible. Ter- terrible. Imagine if this was Charles. This would have yeah. been so much better. We, aren't, we ain't that blessed. Yeah, no, you know, th- no, this is no. so whack to me, though. Like this, this to me is kind of like the kind of stuff that pissed me off about the old Spike, like VGAs, how they would just shove celebrities into stuff that didn't really, that wasn't really a match. Now, Shaq, you know, he's, you know, Shaq has had a good life. He's, he's been a rapper. He's been in movies. He's been in video games. He's a million dollar 
kind of basketball player. So you know, I'm like he was at he was at WrestleMania this year. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he came out. To he came out to Panda, Panda. Oh, which God. was just which a amazing. moment, was incredible. Um, yeah, amazing. And he put his hands around Big Show's like 300 inch neck. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, but this just seems so, so just fake and it's, it's forced. Yeah, it just seemed like it was just like, what are you doing? Like, like it. This is the stuff that I feel like people are like, yo, games are stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, but there's not there's but so much that he can. You know what I mean? Like once you get to this point. And you've been out of the game because you see it all the time. You, I remember back in New York when freaking Charles Oakley had his damn wash, his car wash, and you had all. Oh these no! So- but though they were in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, uh, I where he's from. care about Cleveland anyway. Shout out to Cleveland. I mean, I'm undefeated in the playoffs right now. Okay, fine, whatever. (laughs) But I'm saying it's like one of those weird things where you see the celebrity jump on a thing, Mm -hmm. and you're just like, "How did we get here? What was the step that brought this together?" And there's no real connection that I can see here that makes it any sense. And it's like, are the CSGO people going to be excited by this? No, they're like, look at this knife I just got. I got this knife. (laughs) This knife costs seven hundred dollars. That's dope. I don't care. If, if if I can if I can play uh, the devil's advocate here, okay, um, I will say John Bon Jovi, I will say Wayne mm-hmm. Gretzky, um, I will say Shaquille O'Neal, and and the things that those three people have in common is that they're at least minority owners of gaming of sports franchises, right? And and Shaq now. Um, with this announcement in the commercial, said that he is now a uh, at least a stakeholder of some level in energy gaming. I think that's what it was, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, what? While we may look at this and say he's a joke, I think that he may be the one that's laughing all the way to the bank. You like how I did that? What I a strapline that yeah. fucking uh-huh. was! That was amazing. Um, and the reason the reason is <laughs> the reason is 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 that uh, esports, even if we don't get it fully, is really becoming a thing um, where major corporations are paying attention and are paying, especially overseas in Korea now. Um, they, those are the those are the rock stars. The, the, the esports guys, the guys that are playing StarCraft and all those other fucking crazy ass games are the rock stars over there. They've got Samsung and Kia mm-hmm. and all of these other companies paying millions of dollars for for groups from the from these organizations. Like they create organizations out of this. And I think that you're going you're starting to see slowly but surely that moving east to the west um, <laughs> across the pacific yeah <laughs> across the pacific and 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 you know it's starting to mature here in the united states uh it's maturing in europe and i think that you're going to start to see people really invest in having shares mm-hmm. of these gamers and to have the rights to own the ability to sell the sponsorships and get 
and get the shares off the off the bounties from from you know these kids playing. Yeah, A Rod, A Rod is the is one of the other investors in yes. energy. Uh, there you go. Like this is which which to me there are two ways this goes. Like right, the one is the way in which I want to say good on Shaq, good on A Rod. Uh, Jimmy Rollins is also an investor, and mm-hmm. like good on y'all. Y'all see some shit going on, and like you're, you're trying to get it on the ground floor. The other thing is someone took their money. <laughs> Someone was like, yeah. esports, this is it. This is the big thing. Um, and it, the truth is probably somewhere right in the middle of that, which is like, right. someone is going to make money on this. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know who, but like, but, but yeah. yeah but this is the thing. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. and if, if I could think of a, you know, sort of a positive thing, as like Cicero was saying, maybe having, you know, professional athletes invest and own this will help legitimize esports athletes right as an actual right sport right. since you have people that you know and, and like especially somebody like a rod who was such a young player when he was like you know a billionaire and you know right. making all this stuff Sha- shack as well when like, he was breaking backboards and all that stuff you know so mm-hmm. you know maybe that you know maybe this will be a net positive for esports being recognized as a sport since he's real sports people are, are right. putting their money in it. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. might be that thing that I mean I made that kind of kind of joke about the Charles Oakley wash uh the car washes, but this might be the new franchise thing that mm-hmm. all the sports people go into and look who was the person who kind of jumped into that pool first, Rick Fox. Rick Fox doing all that stuff. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's like you yeah. know you know sports players talk a lot about the new ventures that they're trying to jump into and you see it often right, enough yeah. where it's like, Oh, you have a barbershop, I should get a barbershop. Oh, you have yes, a thing, right. I should get a thing. So right, maybe that's right. the new step that people are taking. Yeah, I, I think there's there's definitely a level of uh, legitimacy that uh I think these names can bring to the West. Um, like I said, in in Korea, in Southeast Asia Esports guys are they are the rock stars. They are the NBA players of uh, of those areas. And, and, you know, coming to the West, I think having actual NBA players, MLB players, sports stars uh, come and and give their money to to uh, to this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. will add a level of legitimacy to it. I mean, you already see segments on ESPN. Um, They they have an esports division on the on the website. Yep. Um, people are are really starting to dedicate resources to covering this stuff. Um, we are, um, and especially in the way uh, things operate in this microwave cu- culture um, on the internet and with games, especially. We're probably months away from you know. We'll come back in September or October, and and we'll legitimately be covering esports because it's just that big, right? Um, yeah, and and uh, I was going to say that the person that I feel the worst for was is Kurt Schilling, um, because he lost all his money. He was a you know a huge huge gamer who lost all his money trying to create who created a really great game, but but you know kind of what Austin said, um, you know he invested this money and then someone took it essentially. Yeah. Uh, it happened to be the state of the Delaware. Um, like I said, I was going to say that uh, that I feel sorry for him, but he's a fucking asshole wow. and a bigot. So he is a bigot. Um, so you know, fuck that guy. Be broke. Um, you know, <laughs> hashtag be broke. Sque- be broke. Yes, yeah, sque- squeegee my fucking windows, you asshole. <laughs> okay. Damn. <laughs> and like with that. that, the show is over. <laughs>
I have one. Here's one. One thought to leave you on is absolutely. Sure. When do rappers get in on this? Like, is Rick Ross going to oh, sell Snoop, all his? Snoop is already down. Okay. Snoop's already down. Okay, so Wingstop's done. From now yes. on, it's Evil Geniuses. It's Dota Team. <laughs> right. <Dota> teams. <laughs> yo, if, okay. Yo, if if there's anybody that could take out these Korean teams and StarCraft, you know, it's 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 going to be a bunch of rappers and athletes. So. Um, Right. <laughs> Finally. Oh, I want I want to see Snoop CPMs, man. Oh, okay. Do you think? See. Okay, how about this? What happens okay. if if Snoop is like, I'm going into to the tournament. I got to go in clean because they're doing drug testing now, and he's he's sober for the first time in decades. And it's like you guys watch DB's Dragon Ball Z. You know, yeah, Piccolo right. took off. The weighted cape, and it's like, (laughs) and and you see like Snoop's eyes are clear for the first time in decades, and dude is just like, just like he's going. He becomes the wizard. He's the wizard. He's been training his whole life. Oh my god! If there is any other better way to end the show i don't know if there was that was oh, perfect man. oh god oh, see bring, bring us home uh, um uh austin i you know i feel like you've been here with us all 111 episodes um this 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 was like there there really aren't words um it it, it was like snoop being sober for the first time <laughs> uh, and um so so uh from seriously from the from the from the bottom of my heart um all of Bricago thanks you for being on but more importantly um we thank you for being you uh just what you what you're doing on on Giant Bomb the way that you're representing yourself uh and by proxy representing us um and and also the way you represent academia in gaming in a very real way is so sobering uh, and and it's a, it's a source of pride and it's very enlightening and and I you know I think the 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 games media is lucky to have you and your fans are are uh, lucky to have you so thank you so much I appreciate it listen like this is not uh I, I'm not blowing smoke like it is support like the support y'all have given me a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon like a lot of people did but i know all of y'all have been there with me since before giant bomb since before i had you know before i was in queens again you know what i mean like (laughs) that is that is that support like the new support means the world too but for real like the people who've been with me for a minute it means a lot uh and and it, it does it does me it makes me feel good to know that you think I'm doing well, you know, like that's, that helps every day is, is getting the support knowing that it took a year to get this done, but that like <laughs> you were dedicated to making sure that happened yeah. because you knew that yeah. this would be a good conversation and like trusting that we would get there. Right. Like means a lot to me because I know there are other people who would have been like, man, that dude fake. Like that dude, so loud. <laughs> that dude doesn't want to be here. Like he just doesn't want to say it. Like, no, like that's like, that meant a lot to me that, that we came back, we wrote circle back around six times. Like just like, right. all right, is it this month? Is this going to work out? Right. So that means a lot to me because it, it means, you know, again, like it felt like, oh, like I don't have the weight on my shoulders here. This is home. Yeah. Like, and that, yeah, that yeah. means the world. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, uh, you know, good things come to those who wait. Uh, Bricago, 
I, I mean, listen, it's it's here in your ears. This shit was amazing. Yep. <laughs> um, so so Austin, if people don't know where to find you, they don't know where to find your work. We've been talking about it for almost two hours. Yeah. But um, let the people know where they can find you weekly, daily, at any moment. Second. Uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. That is like where you can find most of my stuff. Uh, GiantBomb.com is where I, I do my like day-to-day work, uh, news stories, video stuff, podcasts. Um, again, I do friends at the table.net. If you're into to like D and D and, and tabletop yeah. gaming, go listen to friends at the table.net. Uh, it's, it, it's something I'm really proud of. Uh, and then if you want to go see the old work, you can go to clockworkworlds.com slash writing. And that's where you can find like everything I wrote before giant bomb. I need, I need to like spend the time to go back and update that and just put links up, just put links up of all the new stuff too. But mm. that's where you can find the stuff that like, that's the bridge. That was the bridge that got me to where I am. I'm still building a bridge. It's just like I stopped on an island and I'm building another bridge. But like, <laughs> that's that's what got me here. So, uh, so thank you all so much again for having me on. It's it, it has been a, a fantastic evening. Word Absolutely. up, man. Word thank you so up. much. Uh, so our social media business where you can find us as we're building bridges is uh, go to Twitter. Go to uh, go to Austin underscore Walker. Follow him. And then go to at Spawn on Me and follow the show, and then you can find the rest of us there. Uh, you want to send us an email? Go to uh, Spawn on Me Podcast at Gmail dot com. Send us some questions. Let us know how great this episode was. Uh, we think it was pretty great. Uh, let us know if you thought it was pretty great too. Uh, go to iTunes and subscribe and rate and review or your favorite podcatcher and listen and share and do all that all this great stuff. And then go to uh, our Patreon page. We were talking about E3. We want to eat more than government cheese sandwiches while we're there. Go to patreon.com slash spawn on me and help us maybe have some bacon. Because um, bacon is bacon is delicious. So uh, let's see. <laughs> what else? Go to. <laughs> go to I, like, I like it. You talking about all oh, the shit that's going to kill all the black people off first. Hey, yep. hey, hey. Yep. Hey. Well, whatever. You know, I mean, listen, it's what we eat. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> it can be Canadian, though. Right? Yeah. Yes. There you go. There you go. Yeah. No one's no one's against that. Um, so <laughs> good. That was good. Yeah, I you. caught thank that. You. I saw. I, I'm rocking. I, I play, I'm, rocking I'm rocking my toque right now. Yeah. I, I play. I play a lot of hockey. I play a lot of NHL. Um. So. Uh, so and uh, you also want to go to our. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so I uh, I would. I would also tell you to go to our homepage, spawnon.me, and find uh, this show along with all of our archives if you want to check that stuff out uh, and see what other amazing things that we're doing. Um, and I think that's it. Last so. last quick thing, um, okay. Austin, again, thank you so much for rocking with us. It really is a pleasure for, for us to be uh, in here with you and rocking with you and seeing your growth uh, in real time, which is dope. Um, and also a quick update for everyone who's been worrying or thinking about all our skies.com, uh, my new project thing that's going up June 27th is the launch date. So if people are looking for that, uh, if you're looking to do some no man's sky, uh, uh, stuff and check out some, some of my new stuff and add your stuff to the site, that will be dope. Uh, so June 27th is going to be the date for that. So 
again, everyone in Bracago, hot damn, this was some dope stuff, man. <laughs> this is this is the reason why you come to check out our show yeah. is because you get stuff like this that you can get nowhere yep. else. Um, and we thank you for listening to us this week and every week. We love you all. We yes. will say peace. Peace.